What is up, guys? Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. we got a wonderful show for you guys today. The NBA season is underway, so we'll give you guys our early impressions on some of the surprises, some of the disappointments we've been seeing in this early season. We'll also be talking about the NFL playoff picture as it kind of becomes more into focus, though there's still a lot of questions left, a lot of spots still uh, not solidified in either conference so we'll break down uh what we're looking at as we head into week 17 we also had a major great major roster move by one of the teams uh competing for a playoff spot uh pulling the plug on a first round pick quarterback that they drafted just a year ago and college football playoff preview um we gotta get that in because it is uh you know did we record this on december 30th the games are on new year's day so we'll get you guys out predictions for the college football playoff kendall joins me as well on this podcast kendall what's up man and this is the last sports talk we'll have for the year any any number one moment or memory you could think about from this very weird difficult in some ways awful but in some ways uh um rewarding year on the sports talk podcast um on the Sports Talk podcast, well, look, I want to, I want to, you know, it's the end of the year. I want to thank all the guests that have come on. Um, sure. I think that's been one of the highlights for our podcast this year. It's been uh, all the different great guests we've had on. Mark Spears uh, from ESPN, Rob Parker from Fox Sports 1, uh, Cody Topper, coach at Memphis, uh, Jonathan Macri, um, you know, Nick Ryder. I mean, we have a, we've had a ton of, we've had a ton of excellent guests, um, on this show and you know um obviously you know i think we've done a great job this year and hopefully next year is even better um what i do know is that uh one of the things i know is also that uh last week was a tough week because you know the tank squad season our season's over um for those that for those that don't remember uh last week uh, i talked about how i was in the fantasy championship game uh of our fantasy league and uh, I believe I talked about it. And yes, yeah, <laughs> and to update them, I lost by five points. Man, it was a tough, tough loss. Uh, I started T.J. Hawkinson over Rob Gronkowski. Uh, I know a lot of people are probably spitting out their coffee, saying, "What?" <laughs> uh, yeah, T.J. Hawkinson. You know, he's been up and down this year. Probably wasn't one of my best picks, but uh, I did not realize Matthew Stafford would get hurt in the first. Uh, drive of the game and that kind of was the end um and Robin Gronkowski had a great game which I probably should have I probably should have known that was going to happen because the Lions had no defensive coaches with them um because of COVID reasons so uh yeah that's on me you know uh shouts out to the winner uh Josh K who's been on the podcast I believe maybe not sports but I think he's been on yeah uh, I think he's been on a hero talk not on sports he's been on hero talk shout out uh he's done he, he had a he had a great team you know, honestly, his team underperformed. Like, he should have beat me by a lot more. Uh, but, you know, it, it, you know, it happens. You know, it was a tough, it was a tough season. Uh, but we'll be back next year. Um, but, yeah, no, this, this is going to be a great show. We have a lot to talk about. Obviously, the NBA uh, is, you know, it's really starting to pick up. And this college football playoff, man, we're, I know we're going to get to it at the end. But I just wanted to mention how, you know, we talk a lot about the parity in college football. Uh, and how bad it is. But what I will say is that because there are always these 
four or five like elite programs above everyone else, it always makes for an excellent college football playoff. A four yeah. yeah, I feel like almost since the playoff has happened, it's you know, I mean, in the Alabama game sometimes, and they're number the one. one four, yeah, the one four is typically kind of like, ah, this team's got no. Yeah, chance. especially when it's Alabama, but um, but but otherwise, I mean, you know, most time, most of the time, you feel like you're getting a real heavyweight fight when you get to these uh playoffs teams and you feel like you have you know four truly top-notch programs and that's what we're having again this year so i'll be excited to talk about that towards the end of the show and on kendall's fantasy team real quick uh kendall you were you you sent me the uh your your, your uh your career rundown of the team yeah. squad before yeah, uh this this championship game that he had made and the after the first two seasons of the of the league that you had when you had joined uh in our second year and in our third year you finished third and fourth, so those are pretty, you know, decent uh, finishes. But after that, it was an eleven play. And this is a, out of twelve players, everybody. Maybe a couple, yeah, or oh, a couple years there was fourteen, and uh, one year there was ten. But for the most part, between ten and fourteen players, Kendall was finished fourth, eleventh, sixth, eleventh, eleventh, eighth, tenth, and tenth. So yeah. that's why when we talked about that. When we talked about how his team was the Detroit Lions of the of the fantasy league. Now you may you get a better picture of what we were trying to talk about. He's been putrid, putrid fantasy football for years, and he went on a on a miraculous run to the championship. Yeah, came up just a little bit short. Yeah, you, it, it's funny. The the funniest part about the picture is you can see when I decided to to change the name to the Tank Squad. I had gone on like two or three years of like just mediocrity. Like not and, it seemed, and it seemed to get and it seemed to get worse after you called the yeah. Tank Squad. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I really, I really had to, you know, really had to get into the bit <laughs> because my team was awful. But, um, well, but no, the I question mean, now, the main question now, though, before we continue, is is will the team name change now that you're, you know, a, a, a runner up and division champion? I, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about it, but I don't know. We'll, we still have a couple of months. You know, we have we have a whole off season to decide. But um, as of right now, we are still the team. Currently known as the Tank Squad. <laughs> Kendall's like the loss is too fresh. You know, we'll talk about that in the off season. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Like, yeah, no you don't no want to deal with that. You don't want to deal with that right now. You know, there's plenty of time in the off season. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. So let's let's get into some of the stuff we talk, we got to talk about on this pod. So let's begin with the NBA season. So the the season is underway. Did get uh, started last week. We had the games before a couple of days before Christmas, and then the Christmas Day games, and now. We've seen almost every team at least four times. A couple of teams, because of COVID stuff, maybe only played twice, like the Rockets. A couple of teams only played maybe three times. But we're starting to get a decent sample size. I mean, not a great sample size, but, you know, some sample size uh, of some of these games. And certainly been their fair share of surprises. I mean, we have some surprising undefeated teams so far. I mean, I don't think anyone would have thought that the, you know, Hawks and Magic would come out of the gates as the top two teams in the Eastern Conference. But that is indeed what's happening. We've also seen... Really good play out of the uh, Sacramento Kings, who are who are three and one. I actually got to watch uh, two of their um, wins against the Denver Nuggets. I watched a good portion of both of those games. And um, speaking of Denver Nuggets, you have your fair share of disappointments. Disappointing starts so far. Them being one of them, they started one and three this uh, this regular season. The Washington Wizards, which came in with a lot of hoopla, they made the you know the really the last big move of the quote-unquote offseason. Really, it was almost like preseason training camp where they made the move to acquire Russell Westbrook. They've started the season 0-4. Um, the Toronto Raptors also have struggled. They've started 0-3. I think they may be in action tonight. So, uh, Oh, no, no, they play tomorrow against the Knicks. So, yeah, they're going to be 0-3 by the time you uh, you listen to this show, most likely. So, 
definitely been their fair share of uh, disappointments in the league. We've seen some great play out of some rookies. Tyrese Halliburton certainly played some outstanding ball. Um, we've seen some some players really, I think, take the next step in their development. That's been really exciting. I think uh, Darren Fox has played great. I know I'm mentioning two kings, but I think they've uh, both uh, solidified themselves as maybe some nice cornerstones. Trey Young has had an incredible start to the year. CJ McCollum's had some big games. So it's been uh, – and I think Joel Embiid and the Sixers, 3-1, and one, they've also, I think, been impressive. So plenty of options to start with, Kendall. Where do you want to begin when it comes to what you've seen? with the uh, NBA restart so far, or beginning now so far? Um, I guess I'll start with, uh, you know, my guys, the Sacramento Kings. Shout out to the Sacramento Kings. I said on our preview show that they would be a uh, playoff team. Yeah, that was meant wow. with a lot of steps. Yeah, I thought you were completely uh, insane. You know, we'll see. It's early, obviously, you know, but... They they look like a they look like a changed basketball team, man. Uh, you know, I think the additions of Tyrese Halliburton and Hassan Whiteside have helped uh, tremendously. Um, Harrison Barnes played good basketball. Uh, Buddy Heels played good basketball. You mentioned De'Aaron Fox um, and Marvin Bagley as well. So yeah, I mean that Sacramento team that Sacramento Kings uh, team looks really good. I think Alvin Gentry has helped a ton uh, with their offensive output. Um, they play with a lot of pace. Uh, a lot of ball movement, and you know we've seen we've seen the early returns be successful. Again, whether or not they keep it up remains to be seen. Another team that I mentioned as well that I thought was being slept on coming into the season was the Indiana Pacers, and you know they they've played really good basketball as well, and they really didn't do anything in the offseason. They just said we're going to run it back, uh, status quo, and I think people kind of forgot about them because of that. But sometimes that's sometimes you know continuity is the best uh, addition to a team in the NBA because uh, they look like, you know, they, for, for in an, M- in an NBA season where we've seen a lot of blowouts and we've seen a lot of teams look kind of discombobulated, they seem to be one of the few teams in the league right now that seems uh, to be most at peace, even though they have a new coach, obviously, uh, Nate Bjorken. Um, you know, we've seen Demontis Sabonis really take the next step, it seems, uh, from being a guy who was looked at as, you know, borderline all-star, you know, kind of forgettable. Yeah, there were know, definitely some people who thought, you know, last year's all-star appearance would be his last. Right, yeah. That, well, that's, I, not gonna, that's not going to be the case. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be the case. You know, this will be, I mean, he might, he, he's tracking like an all-star starter right now. So, um, you know, we'll see, but we'll see how long he can keep up that level of production. But he's been the Eastern Conference Player of the Week, and he's been tremendous. Um, so, I mean, the Indiana Pacers look like another team that really, really uh uh can be dangerous uh going forward um what do you make of the 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 i have a couple i have a couple interesting things but what do you make of the uh toronto raptors and their struggles so far yeah I'll tell you it, what. can you can you chalk it up to them not playing in canada so that's an interesting thing because you know I, I actually thought that the raptors would be one of the teams that kind of surprised people i thought that they would be and again it's three games you don't want to go crazy about any of these statements we're making but um, I certainly am surprised that they started 0-3. And, you know, the question becomes, you know, them playing in Tampa, how much of that can be attributed to the start? Now, to be fair, only one of the games they've played was in Tampa. But, I mean, even despite that, you're living in a new city, you're not as comfortable, you're practicing in a new city. You know, it's it's not the same as, as, as you know, being home. And, you know, these games have been tight. 
you know, I think, you know, if anything, you may look at their offense and say, you know, why aren't they a little more sharper? What what I see, Kendall, and I know some people are kind of attributing these blowouts to um, the games kind of being like hastily thrown together. And, and they're really kind of leaning on that as the reason why we're seeing these blowouts. Um, and that may be part of it. But to me, I think what's happening as well, and I'm going on a little bit of a tangent that's maybe a little bit away from the Raptors, uh, though I don't think they've shot the ball well. What I'm seeing too, though, is I think the advent of the three-point shot right now is at a peak. And what we're seeing in some of these games is, like, if the other team is making threes and you're not, you're, you're going to get beat by 30. You have zero. Like, there may have been a time in the NBA where you could hang in the game somehow or, you know, even the way you defend teams, like, you know, maybe if they get hot to begin, they'll eventually cool off because they start to you start to slow down the three ball. These teams are now you know seeking those shots so often that you almost can't stop it. Like if you don't, if you're not a decent defensive team in terms of getting out to the three ball and they're getting decent looks, this is becoming more make or miss league than maybe it's ever been. And I think what you may be seeing with a team like the Raptors is a team that's not shooting the three ball all that great. And they've run into some teams that are shooting it better in some of these games. And is that because they're away from home or is that, you know, just like, you know, bad luck? I don't know. But I think that could be part of it. You know what I'm saying? Pascal shooting the ball at 33% from three. He's taking seven a game. Fred Van Vliet shooting it at 32%. He's taking nine, almost 10 a game. Like, you got guys taking that many threes shooting at those kind of percentages I mean, if you're not shutting people down, you're not going to beat a lot of teams in the NBA today. Because if the other team shoots the ball well, you're, you're toast with those numbers. And that may be more of what's happening with the Raptors than anything else. It may be more of, you know, uh, getting those legs back together. To me, it seems like the teams that play deep into the bubble, they all look kind of shot to me. And that's going to be a very that's going to be a very weird wrinkle into this season. Like, will we get into a point where like the talent will play out and the other teams that didn't play or didn't go as deep will kind of ke- like their fatigue will catch up to the teams that played deep into the bubble. Cause I could argue that any team that played post past the first round of the playoffs, none of them have really looked impressive. They've all had spots where maybe they played well in, in, in pieces, but yeah. can, can you really say you've been impressed with any of those teams that have played past the second round, past the first round of the playoffs last year? I don't think there's anyone at all. Which is saying a lot. I mean, look at the teams that... I mean, the Clippers are the only team, I think, that has only one loss of those teams. And and the Sixers, to be fair. Uh, But the Sixers were out in that second round so fast. I don't know if I didn't count them. But, like... And the Clippers had the worst loss of the season. (laughs) Were uh, were the Sixers out in the... Or were they losing the first round? Did y'all beat them in the first round? I thought that was the second round. Yeah, it could have beat them in the first round. I don't know. Um, It might have been the first round. You might be right about that. Yeah, I feel like because we beat Toronto in the second round. Right, right. Yeah, so you did beat in the first round. So yeah, so the Clippers are the only team that uh that, that have lost one loss points, so that they're, played they're, past the first round. Yeah, they lost by fifty. So <laughs> yeah, and they lo- yeah, and they lost by fifty. They were down by fifty at halftime. They had the worst loss of the season by far. So I don't know. And they no, they played some team. They beat the Nuggets. They beat the Lakers. Those teams also played deep into the bubble. Neither of those teams look really fresh and sharp right now. Um, they again, both of them. Have looked good in spots, in spurts, but not consistently. The Bucks had a terrible loss to the Knicks. 
Celtics have had their share of losses. They look good tonight against Memphis, though they're uh, without John Morant. Shout out to John Morant. Hopefully he gets better soon. I know he'll be out about a month because of the ankle injury. The Heat have had some just brutal losses. It's Again, it's a super short sample size, but I think that's, that could very well end up being something to follow this year. Because see some of these teams that didn't play in the bubble or played a very short time in the bubble that look great, and then some of these other teams that played that are expected to roll through some of these teams that they don't look that sharp, that that hot. I think something something there. There's something there to be. Shout out to uh, you know, you don't you mentioned Celtics. Shout out to uh, Peyton Pritchard, aka uh, Mile, uh, which is what they we're call calling. Him eight, they call him Eight Mile. Yeah, we're calling, we're calling him Eight Mile in Boston. Shot that was Jason Tatum <laughs> came over that nickname. Uh, it's starting to stick. That's pretty funny. <laughs> but now he's played excellent basketball with Peyton Pritchard. But uh, yeah, no, it's an interesting. It's definitely an interesting theory. I mean, I would say the team that, I mean, they they they've already they've lost a game too. But the team that that's probably looked the best has been Brooklyn, and you know, obviously their best players didn't uh, didn't play in the bubble. So um, right, exactly. And and you know, they still have two losses. One of them, obviously, they didn't. Um, the two big guys, the big guns, KD and Kyrie, didn't play. Uh, but. You know, they, they they lost one game with those guys. They lost to the Hornets. Um, but yeah, they their their team has in terms of their top guys are probably the best of the teams that you think about are contending. And once again, it's a team that didn't have guys playing in the bubble. And the one thing I keep hearing about <laughs> and seeing when I watch them uh, with Kyrie and KD is they both look sharp and fresh. It's like, well, they didn't log any minutes in Orlando, so that certainly helps. Obviously, KD's coming off a, a serious injury. Both of them ra- are coming off rather serious injuries, but. Certainly, I think that that time playing in the bubble in those intense games and then having to turn around in a short turnaround and play the season may not be hurting them right now. Uh, I guess of the teams, I'll give you three of these teams. Of the Magic, Hawks, and Kings, and the Cavs, so four of those teams. Which, I know you talked about the Kings and you thought they were really good, but based on what you've seen now, which of those hot starts you think is most sustainable? And when I say sustainable, it's got to be relative. So, like, like the Magic, I'm not saying can they win the East. I mean, like, can they take a step up in the Eastern Conference? Um, and for the Hawks and Cavs, it's can you make the playoffs. For the Kings, it's can you make the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Um. Well, I already mentioned the Sacramento Kings. I'll, so you, I'll, you think I'll, it's the Kings? Yeah, I think it's the Kings, uh, but I'll exclude them because I've already gone on that. So, between the the those three Eastern Conference teams, Magic, Hawks, Cavs, I would go, I would go with the uh, the Magic. Um, the Magic, they like you said, they already made the playoffs, so it's you know, I mean, do I think that they can be a do I, do I think they can be a top five or six team in the East? I think it's possible. Um, it's not likely, but um, this East is going to be upside down this year. Uh, Miami doesn't look as good, but we'll see. They look good against New Orleans uh, on Christmas Day. Um, and then, obviously, uh, we mentioned Toronto struggled as well. Um, and Boston and Milwaukee have been up and down. It, I mean, I... I the, the real team that you have to look at is Atlanta because I'm not, I'm not as sold on them. I will say after I owe them a slight apology because I was I was very tough on 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 the Hawks and not very bullish on the Hawks coming in, but they played well. Um, and 
Trey Young's played well, and he looks like he's maybe taking another step in his game. Um, you know, I feel like he's played the right way for the most part, and, you know, he still has a high usage rate and still, you know, everything revolves around him and the offense. But sometimes that's a good thing. He's a very good player. So, um, you know, you want, <laughs> you want the ball in his hands if you're the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I do think they botched not drafting Tyrese Halliburton because I think that would actually unlock in another level to their to their offense. But um, but now Trae Young's played great, but I'm not convinced that this team uh, is a playoff team because I, I haven't seen them play great teams yet. Um, obviously, as we're recording this, they're playing the Brooklyn Nets, and that'll be a good uh, test. But um, you know, wins against Memphis and Chicago and Detroit just aren't gonna. Don't impress me. Uh, so, while they've played well, I'm, I, the jury's still out, and the Cavs, uh, just no. <laughs> just, just, just no. <laughs> just, just don't believe whatever you, whatever you see. Don't believe it. Well, the Cavs started the season again. Back to my point about just like everything, just kind of living and dying with threes so far to start this year. I mean, they started the year at the best three point shooting team in the league. Um, and in the one game they didn't shoot well, they lost to the Knicks. So that <laughs> tells you all you need to know about about what this league has been in regards to whether or not you can shoot. Um, I don't I don't believe in the Cavs because their defense is not good. So um, I, I can't. I, they're not going to shoot like this all year. And there's no way to me. So I don't believe in the Cavs. Though I think Andre Drummond has shown. That he does have something to prove, and he's played really well this year. I think he deserves a shout out. Um, I think I'm gonna buy what you said. I think I'm gonna say it's the Magic. I'm 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 intrigued by this Magic team. I'm not gonna go crazy on any of these teams just yet, but the, I gotta be honest. The Magic do intrigue me for a couple of reasons. Um, one, you mentioned sometimes continuity can be a team's best friend, and sometimes uh, in-house player development can be a, uh, a team's best friend. And the Magic uh, basically bet the farm on Markel Fultz. And they don't look too bad right now. They look they look like they're in pretty good shape making that bet with Markel. He looks good. He's shooting the ball well. He looks like the kind of guard that you can win with. And this is after you drafted a point guard in Cole Anthony. Not playing so great. Uh, his shooting has been a little up spotty in, in terms of the regular season game. He looked great in the preseason. I think he'll... he'll He'll get it going um, in the regular season as well. Um, so you got some some young guards who can hoop, and it seems like some of their veterans are starting to have their best games, uh, best seasons rather, early on. They might be, you know, you might have you know a prime season from a guy like Terrence Ross or a prime season from a guy like Nikola Vucevic. As we've seen in the Eastern Conference, it may not take that much. Um, to make that kind of jump, you know, it's, it's going to be a weird season. We know the Eastern Conference has a lot of bottom feeders. Uh, you know, if Toronto continues to look this suspect, do they take that Toronto spot in that top four or five? I'm not going to go crazy and say they will, because, I, again, I still think Toronto will turn this around. But I, I think that teams that have continuity that didn't get run through the ringer in Orlando, no pun intended, considering this is the Magic, I think those teams have a, a distinct advantage to start this year. And the Magic are like exhibit A of that. Team that's been the same roster for like four years. 
Um, they've been decent, but not great. But they didn't play a lot of games in Orlando because they got beaten five games in the first round, and four of the games were very much non-competitive. And they look fresh. They look like they know what they're doing. And to me, again, competition a little suspect, but they did beat the Heat to start the, start the season. Um, to me, it seems like their offense has a bit of a kick and a spark that we just haven't seen from the Magic recently. They scored 113, 130, 120, 118 in all of these games. Uh, now, the Wizards, we'll get to them in a second, but you know those are two of the games, but still... I mean, that's been the Magic's Achilles heel. It's been like, you know, can they get offense consistently? They haven't been able to. But if you're telling me that they're going to be a more consistent offensive team, then all bets may be off in regards to, you know, what they could be in the Eastern Conference. I think we all looked at them as like a seventh or eighth seed. But could they crack that top six? We'll see. But I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, that Orlando Magic team. Steve Clifford is an excellent coach, uh, and defensively. Yes, and they got good coaching, which is important. Yeah, yeah, they they are very stout. Um, another 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 uh, storyline that I think is has been interesting. Well, one obviously we do have to mention the the John not the John Wall the Russell Westbrook led uh, Bradley Beal led Washington Wizards who have yet to win a game. Um, it's a time to hit the panic button if you're a Washington Wizards fan. Uh, you know. I'm sure I don't know if there are a whole lot of DC sports fans that are really hitting the panic button. They're just like, this is just far the far for the course. But um, yeah, they're like, this is my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but if you are uh, Tommy Shepard uh, and Scott Brooks, do you, uh, you know, what what do you make of this? I mean, this this is a team that people thought I thought kind of foolishly thought could, you know, maybe compete in the Eastern Conference. And they. <laughs> they don't look like they're going to be a top twelve team in the conference. So, uh, what, what do we make of this this uh, this Washington Wizards debacle? Well, the Wizards are a terrible defensive team right now. Yeah, um, I have to mention disclaimer: they haven't played a game with Rui Hachimura yet. Right, right. that right. is we a both the world of him. Yeah, yeah, we think that he has future All Star potential. So it's hard for me to give him too much flack when you're playing without probably your third best player. But, but yeah, and this is and this is not a very deep team. You know, they they got four or five guys, maybe six if you're pushing it that we like. And then after that, <laughs> you know, Isaac Bonga, Bonga has started all four games. So like, that's all you need to know in regards to, like, what, that, what not having Rui Hachimura means for a team like this. Um, Isaac Bonga might be the I, – I, I'll be respectful of Isaac Bonga. But he, <laughs> he might be the least experienced uh, – player that Russell Westbrook has ever played with <laughs> and in the yeah. starting lineup in yeah. the starting line like a guy in the in the lineup I was gonna say something else I was gonna say he might be you know the, at the bottom of the guys but at the very least I'll say he's the least experienced starter Russell Westbrook has ever played with yeah exactly so he's typically playing on teams that can compete can contend now he's playing with a guy that you know it's this is first of, time getting, yeah it's first time getting real minutes basically um, yeah and he wasn't expected to so yeah, that, that, that's a problem. Uh, I think Troy Brown's having trouble figuring out what his role is now that Russ is in the fold. And they got to figure that out. He's a good player, but he's played miserably this off the year. Um, I'm not going to put the panic push the panic button, button just yet because I feel like they like they if they if they play like this all season, they'll be like the worst defensive team in NBA history. Now, they're not a good defensive team, but do I think they'll be that bad? I kind of doubt that. 
I think that they could probably be a little better than that. And I think the offense has most part been okay. You know, they, they've scored in these games. They, they've done enough offensively to win. They're just not getting any stops. And it's alarming that, they, again, two of the games against the Magic, one of them against the Bulls, those are not three good offensive teams that we would think about coming into the season. And you're giving up 130, 120, 115. I mean, that's not going to get it done. So I would think that the defense will settle in a little bit. I'm not going to panic too much. But and I, and I, the one thing I will say is I don't think that these teams in the East are going to run away from you. So with your Wizards, you know, if there was any hope that you would shock the world and be a fifth seed in the East, I mean, that, you know, that may be obviously kind of like relaxed. That might not happen. But you're just trying to get into the playoffs at this point um, and play competitive ball. Do I think that that's still attainable? Yeah, I do. What do we think of the Warriors? They're 2-2 two and two uh, now, but they ever, I mean, everybody's ready to bury them. After the first yeah, two embarrassing yeah, losses, Myers was, was about to lose his job. Steve Kerr was about to lose his job. <laughs> Steph Curry was about to get traded. I mean, it was yeah, it was bad for uh, you know two three day stretch. But yeah, I mean, look, this isn't a good Warriors team. Um, you know, obviously, look, Ubre and Wiggins started to play a, a little bit better um, as the competition has gotten weaker, uh, which has helped. You know, I mean, you run into Chicago and you run into Detroit. Um, you know, Josh Jackson obviously right now is played like an MVP candidate, but still running into Detroit has, uh, you know, it, it help it eases it, it certainly you know helps you get back on track. So, um, I don't want to take either of the extremes. You know, you you face they face two of the five best teams in the league, uh, in Brooklyn and Milwaukee, and then they face two of the five worst teams in the league right now in Charlotte and I mean uh, Chicago and. In Detroit, so I don't want to take either extreme, but um, I lean more that they're not a very good basketball team. Um, so it's tough. I mean, you, they lost Clay Thompson. Uh, you know, they they're getting Draymond Green back, which will which you know sh- will help them play better basketball. But uh, and James Wiseman is good, but really it comes down to how good is Ubre, how good are are Ubre and Wiggins, and um, you know I'm not super believers in them, uh, and. I don't think you are either. So I, to me, that that's that's what it's going to come down to, and that's why I don't think this team is going to make the playoffs based on what I've seen. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Wiseman. I mean, that's been really the one major bright spot for the Warriors. I mean, you know, I didn't get it. The people who didn't see it with Wiseman, I, I'll be honest, I just I flat out did not get it. Yeah, there were people that didn't have him in the lottery on their board. Crazy to me. It was yeah, it was complete crazy talk, and he looks like the real deal. I mean, again, like you, I think you joked to me. Somebody was like, you know, they need to get James Wiseman some help. <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah. Shout out to Rob Perez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rob Perez. Shout out to him. Yeah, James um, Wiseman needs some help, man. Yeah, I mean, he looks really good. I mean, again, think about this guy played almost no ball last year. Yeah. Played no, you know, all this extended time, no, no summer league, no mini camp, nothing like that. Doesn't have a training camp because he's in the COVID protocol. Comes back and looks like this. I mean, he looks like a real viable player and like i mean that that's and then you can say oh he's number two pick he should do that i mean it's not easy to have that much of time and not playing ball you just walk put you in front of nba court and say go perform yeah look and look at he's the the second best player right now look at the rest of his peers i mean edwards has played well uh and that's about it you know you mentioned terry talbert and all the way down you got to go all the way down to number 12 to find the next guy patrick williams i guess played decent but for the most part a lot of these guys have shown had massive struggles um, so it's, 
you know, it, it's a testament to how, how talented he is, you know. And it shows you that these NBA teams, look, I mean, they've gotten better. They've gotten smarter. Not all of them. But um, because right now, Edwards and Wiseman, who were, who ended up going one and two, uh, look like the two best prospects coming out of this draft. So, um, and look, we still have our doubts about, at least I still have my doubts about Edwards' uh, mental makeup. But, um, but the, the questions of whether or not he'd ever be a star player uh, seemed to, or, had, or whether or not he had that star talent. Uh, seem to have uh, seem to lean yes. That's what we've seen. But but I'll let you continue. Yeah, no, I mean he looks he looks fantastic. So you know the Warriors. Look, I I, I think that Bob Myers. You know we'll see. Like I said, I, I do want to hold and I want to see what happens with Draymond gets there. I'm not saying he's gonna be a miracle worker, but his leadership, his guidance, his uh, you know, just his presence. You know, some of the, of the clownery we've seen on the court from Oubre and Wiggins, I don't know how much, we, you know, Draymond would tolerate something like that. So I want to at least see what happens when he gets out there um, before I just say, write him home, they're done, whatever. I'm not holding out my breath that this is going to now all of a sudden turn into a playoff team. But I'm at least is curious. Do you feel like they have to make a move if they want to compete? Yes. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily feel that way going into the season. Like I said, I thought whether they make a move or they didn't, that they would be end up being the biggest playoff threat to the Lakers. I clearly don't think that anymore. Um, at least not with not making a move. I think that they 100% have to make a move. That's going to happen. And I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's worth it. I mean, like, cause I, I think they're way further, along, further away than I think maybe even we give them credit for. There's so many guys in that team just that would be getting no time on any NBA team. If it wasn't for how, Thin this roster is. Can they make the Bradley Beal move? I mean, because Bradley Beal seems like that seems like that situation may really crater. I mean, he's already he stopped speaking to the media already. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's becoming a nightmare uh, very fast. Yeah. I, I mean, so who am I giving up? Who am I giving to them that they would be interested in? Uh, they're taking Clay Thompson's bad Achilles and knee. Um. Well, you got to trade the, the Minnesota pick. Um, okay. I can. I'm you feel like that's you feel like whatever offer I'm trying to come up with that doesn't include Wiseman could probably be matched by someone around the league. Right, exactly. And Wiseman, he looks so yeah. good. I'm just like, am I really like what? No, Wiseman's untouchable. Yeah, like like what am I trade? Like if I trade Wiseman, who's playing in the middle? Yeah, like, exactly. Like you have no, like you have no, like there. Yeah, you feel you, know, you just you lost, lost Marquis Chris for the Marquis Chris for the year. And I'm not. Putting Marky Chris in, in you know in in, uh, in Springfield, but I mean he, he would have been at least a guy you could have put in there if Wiseman's gone. I mean I don't know who you're playing now, so you, you can't trade him. Yeah, it's like I, it's I, I just don't I don't see a deal that they can make that doesn't include Wiseman that 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 makes that happen. Yeah, it's tough. I mean I mean, I don't know. People talk about them trying to get James Harden without trading Wiseman. I'm like, oh, you can trade man. trade Ubre Wiggins and Draymond. And a draft pick. <laughs> like, uh, I think the Brooklyn package might actually yeah, fancy land. Um, yeah, no, it's impossible. Um, and we're at, at this point, like you said, I mean, I, you can't trade Wiseman. You know, he 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 looks like he could be one of those guys that could be the bridge to the next era, uh, post Curry. Um, so, yeah, no, they and the they, Warriors they made that mistake there. before. Cause remember, they traded a young Chris Webber. Um, yes. No, that was a bridge from the run TMC era. And yeah. 
they, they pretty much ne- they pretty much never won until yeah. Steph Curry got there. <laughs> the Washington, <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, they don't trade Wiseman to Washington. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that would be that will literally be the same thing all over again. You can't let that happen. But it was Chris Webber, who was supposed to be the bridge from Chris Mullen and all those guys. Him and Spree well supposed to do it. They traded Chris Webber. They didn't win until the We Believe team came around. Yeah. And that was only one year. Then they lost for another three or four or five years, and then they had the Now we have the Warriors as we know them. But, yeah, no. They'd be insane to trade James Wyden. Because I don't think, whether it's Beal or Harden, I, I really, this team is really far away, I think, from competing for a championship. I don't think that it's worth it. Um, are you are you are you out on Lamelo Ball? No, it's again it's four games. I mean, I I think I'm that super in on Lamelo Ball as you know. Yeah, I think so. you've always been very skeptical. It's I'll say what I keep saying. I mean, it, to me, it's just too early for guys that are playing poorly. It's really too early to like completely bury them, especially young players. And Lamelo is a very young player who has some promise, but he has some obvious glaring holes that I think anybody who liked them even saw. But I think that, you know, PC, we saw some electricity in his game. And I think that playing with those guards throughout the season, practicing with them, seeing how they prepare uh, and Devontae and Terry, I think that's going to help him all year. So, no, I'm not out on him. It's been a, it's been a little bit of a rough start, but Again, it's been only a couple of games. One of the games he played, he did play well against the Thunder. So, I want to give him some credit there. But yeah, no, I'm not out on him. Are you? Are you, are you very concerned about what you've seen? Um, I've been pleased in some in some regards. You know, the playmaking, which we've already known. You know, the playmaking is certainly. Uh, I you know I I I, I want to use the term elite lightly, but I'll say it's certainly high level. Um, you know. <laughs> I mean, he's the 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 creativity, you know. Uh, like you texted me, you know, definitely some Jason Williams vibes from with his with his uh his passing instinct. But um, goals right now, you know, uh, is he's a different he's a different player than his brother. Um, obviously, who I comped him to uh, in our draft videos. But you know, he's got he's similar in the sense that he has so many. He's just so many holes right now that he has to fill. And, you know, I mean, he's got time. Like, you know, he's only he's a very young player. He's just like his brother, you know, he'll he'll get better. Um, and he probably has a little bit of a higher ceiling than his brother because of his his talent. But uh, he's got to be patient. But the problem is, you know, as we saw with Lonzo, luckily he's not in Los Angeles, so like his brother was. So he's going to be playing on a team that's not competitive, and so he's not going to get nearly as much – uh, heat as Lonzo did, but if long as long as Charles is patient with him, as long as uh, NBA fans are patient with him, I think he'll be a a good player. I think he'll be a contributing player on on on, on, a, on an NBA team. But yes, you know, I mean, he's not going to be rookie of the year. Uh, he probably won't be all rookie first team either. Um, he may not even end up being second team. But you know, I don't think this will be a very good rookie year for Lamelo Ball. But he's a project, as is Killian Hayes. Uh, in Detroit, it was also a project, but I yeah, think both of those young guards, both of those young guards are going to be. It's going to be a, a, kind of a long season. Yeah, them, I think. Detroit's really throwing Hayes into the fire. I kind of yeah. feel like Rose should probably be the guy there, uh, and they should probably bring Hayes along a little slower. But 
you know, we've already seen Hayes take a little bit of he's taking baby steps, but he's taking he's getting a little bit better from where he was in the preseason. So I think these reps are helping him, but um but yeah, no, these yeah, these, these but this is why, you know, we always say drafting a point guard in the NBA, I mean it's a lot like drafting a quarterback in that Yep. You know, I mean if you draft a guy, you know, you you gotta understand, like you're kinda you're stuck in his development. So you better if you if you don't think that he can be a, your your starting quarterback or your starting point guard rather, then you may not be better. You may be better better off just not drafting the guy because, um, you know, you're finding yourself drafting another one in a couple of years. Uh, that's where the Knicks are at with with have been with Frank Milikina. Um, if you draft a guy, you better you better be sold on that guy as a point guard prospect, not necessarily. Only because of need, but also because of the player, and yeah, yeah, and some of these some of these teams are, are so focused on need. Speaking of uh, the Knicks, Jeffrey Ballone asked a from Knicks fan, film school, so shout out to him. Uh, asked a poignant question that I was intrigued by. He said, "If Mills, Steve Mills, former Knicks president, chose a different coach than David Fitzdale, would?" The front office look different than it is now. Um. Well, who 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 is the other coach, or are we just saying anybody? Well, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, I I guess the idea is that you know, because that's the question. Some people have asked, so responded like, "Is different better than Fizdale?" I don't know, but right. we know Fizdale definitely wasn't the guy. Yeah, Fizdale let's say let's say he hires Tibbs. I mean, we knew Tibbs wanted that job back then. You know, yeah. like would would where would the, would the would they still be employed? Would they still have a, would he still have a job? What where Probably. would the Knicks be? You think so? Yeah, Tom Thibodeau is is a he's an upper echelon NBA coach. He's a top. He's a he's a top ten. I would probably I would probably argue top ten coach in the NBA. Certainly top half. So, you know, as we've already seen improvements with the New York Knicks, it's not because the talent level is that much better. It's because um, they're so well coached. And not necessarily like you can't win with David Fisdale as your head coach. You know, I think that there are very few coaches in the NBA that make – there are very few elite coaches and there are very few awful coaches. A lot of times there's a a large middle, you know, of NBA coaches that are kind of all the same. And so it's not like David Fisdale is like at the bottom, you know, he's not, he's, he's somewhere in that middle pack. Um, but Thibodeau is good in the sense that he has his weaknesses that probably also put him in the middle of the pack, but he's, he's perfect for a team like the Knicks if you want to overachieve because of how hard he he makes them play. Um, you know, he, he's able to get the best out of certain guys and, um, you know, again, they're just going to play hard every night. They're not going to be, they're not going to be a soft basketball team, man. You know, it, it it is in one some ways, some instances. If you're a pro, you know, you got to tank. You know, fade for Cade or whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that they'll call it. <laughs> you know, whatever you, whatever you want to call the the tanking slogan for this season. Um, you know, he's not good in that regard because I think the Knicks will actually be fairly competitive. You know, they're not gonna they're not gonna win. You know, thirty five games or whatever the the equivalent would be in the 72, 72 game season, but. Um, but they're also not gonna, you know, lose sixty five. Like they'll, 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 they'll win a lot of basketball games. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think those guys, I think those guys would probably still have a job to answer your question if Thibodeau uh, 
they had hired Thibodeau or another high-level coach. Look, I got to say, man, I've been thoroughly impressed with Tom Thibodeau as a as the head coach of the New York Knicks. Um, they're 2-2. Two and two. It's not, I'm not saying they're playing this lights-out kind of ball by any means. They make a lot of mistakes. But just to see a team, see a Knicks team with an identity after watching the Fisdale team and the last year of Hornacek where they had no identity, it's so refreshing. And I think it makes everyone very much more at ease in terms of the guys on the team, in terms of their roles. And are they in the perfect role? Are they the perfect player for this spot? No, they have a lot of issues. But Knox knowing exactly what he's asked to do and accomplishing that, Julius Randle having his role defined more specifically and to really drill him on what he needs to do to not just make himself better or make his teammates better. I mean... I mean, to me, like, again, I agree. Not many coaches could have done a lot with the Knicks roster last season. But to me, Fizdale was stealing money when it comes to coaching Julius Randle. Because I know he's, he worked out like crazy in the offseason. He looks in phenomenal, phenomenal shape. And he deserves a lot of credit from his own uh, work that he did. But to me... What you're seeing from him also is someone being coached how how to play the game the right way. Last year, it was just you drill the ball up the court and you just kind of do whatever and go make plays. And it was and, and now you're seeing him, even in those some of those similar situations, he gets the ball when he's trying to create. And you almost see the the you know the wheels turning in his head about what's the right move to make. He doesn't make it all the time, but before he seemed like he never made the right decision last year. But now He'll get in the situation, he may get trapped, or he may spin somewhere, and he thinks, well, let me not be out of control here. Let me think first. And actually, wait, there's a guy in the corner. Let me go to him. And that guy's wide open, and he can make that shot. And now you're seeing this Nick offense look phenomenal. Julius Randle right now is having playing some of the best ball we've ever seen from him in his entire career. And not only does uh, the credit go to uh, Tibbs, credit also got to go to Kenny Payne. Kenny Payne's working with those bigs. KP. He's someone he knows... Uh, the only KP we acknowledge <laughs> in regards to Knicks fans. Um, he knows uh, Randall's game well. I think if there's any player on the team that you can clearly see Kenny Payne's in- impact on immediately, it's been Randall. I mean, the guy looks phenomenal. And um, credit where credit is due, man. This This coaching staff is doing a good job. What that means in terms of wins... It's probably not a lot, but I will take what I'm seeing from this Knicks team because some of those losses weren't great either, but at least you saw some of the progress that they were trying to instill and some of the habits they're trying to instill. I mean, I love every time they 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 look like they're starting to get out of sync. Tibbs immediately calls timeout, and he's immediately furious at the mistakes that they're making, the mental errors. I mean, I don't know how many times can you see me complain about the coaching staff just seeming like they didn't care when guys just made obvious mental mistakes. And they wouldn't yeah. call a timeout. They wouldn't take the guy out. They wouldn't say anything. They just keep playing. Sometimes they laugh. And it's just like, I'm not saying those guys didn't care, but that kind of attitude they had to those mental errors led to continual slippage in some of the more integral aspects of playing winning team basketball. And Tibbs is not letting that happen. I love what I'm seeing. I love what I'm seeing. So I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, 
again, I'm not necessarily looking for this team to make the playoffs. Because, again, this team, as we still see, badly needs a point guard. So I would gladly love to get a shot at someone like uh, a Jalen Suggs or Kay Cunningham. But I think that if you're a Knicks fan, you got to feel good about the coaching staff from these first four games. Better than you felt about any coaching staff in a really long time. I couldn't even tell you when. I mean, maybe Woodson, I guess, who's on this staff. So maybe that tells you a lot as well. Uh, any last thoughts on NBA before we go to the NFL playoff picture? Um, I mean, you know, again, I, we've seen a lot of, hopefully the, the play, uh, the competitiveness picks up a little bit. I think some people have, have argued that some of these guys look like they're not really competing as hard uh, as normal. And I don't know. I mean, the NBA regular season. I will say it kind of looks like we're in like the dog days of the NBA season in like you know week one, which is a little more rare than usual. But you know, I mean, the regular season is not like everybody's always super locked in. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what the I don't know what the difference is, but I, I think play. I think once these teams start to once the standings start to play themselves out a little more, I think you're going to see these guys pick it up a little bit. But we'll see. Let's let's head over to the NFL, Kendall. So. Heading into week seven, playoff picture crystallizing to some degree, but not necessarily all the way there. So there are five spots still open in the AFC. We do have secured locks with the Chiefs, home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. We also got the Bills, Steelers, uh, both kind of got to 12 and 3 in weird, weird ways, different ways than how uh, compared to the other team, but nonetheless, those teams. Lock for division wins, uh, lock for first round playoff home games, and then a lot of mixed bag with the rest of the AFC. The Tennessee Titans and the Colts, their situation with the AFC South is not d- defined yet. Um, then we got a bunch of wild cards that are still up for grabs: Dolphins, Ravens, Browns, and then the Colts as well, all in the mix. Um, four of those teams will make it; one of them will not. Right now, the Colts are the odd team out. But all it takes for a Colts win and one of those teams to lose, and they could be right in there. And then you go to the NFC, uh, a little more of a clear picture. We got our division champions in Green Bay, who will have uh, most likely that. Um, they might have secured. Did they secure uh, home field throughout the playoffs? I don't. If they did. If they didn't. They're about to. No, the, the Packers. Uh, no, I don't believe so. No, they, they. I think they're still coming into this last week with the opportunity to do that. But um, but right now they're sitting at top. You got the Saints, Seahawks, both um, 11 wins right behind them. The Buccaneers clinched a wild card spot. And then, again, a lot of stuff in flux. So, NFC East, uh, the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Washington football team all in the mix. For the wild card, you got the Rams, Bears, uh, and Cardinals all vying for basically two spots there. Um, I'll start, I guess, with the AFC, Kendall. When you look at the Chiefs atop, I think a lot of people look at them as the overwhelming favorites in the AFC. Um, based on how you see kind of how the, these these rankings are, so to speak, kind of working themselves out, who do you think is the best is a is the best possible matchup for them heading into um, these this postseason? Because whoever plays against them is going to have to go through Arrowhead. It's not going to be, you know, 70,000 faithful, but it's still going to be fans in there. 
and it's going to be a very difficult challenge, obviously. Um, so you're saying the best matchup, uh, like the toughest matchup? Right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, good. I was wondering. I was like, I don't know if the Chiefs are really picking out anybody. Uh, I think they're kind of like, we'll see whoever whoever we have to face. We'll face. They're like, oh, yeah, hopefully we play Cleveland. Um, so I think the team that presents the 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 toughest matchup for KC. I mean, look, I know a lot of people are going to look at Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo is obviously uh, going to be a tough matchup for that for that team. Um, Josh Allen is playing excellent, playing just excellent football. Um, he's super locked in. Uh, Stefan Diggs has played, uh, you know, arguably the best football of his career, um, which is saying something because he's obviously excellent in Minnesota as well. Um, and that defense is, is, is excellent. Um, I'm intrigued about Baltimore. I know that's, that's saying something considering they're not even uh, a lock to make it. But I would... I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't poo-poo their chances in the postseason as well. Um, you know, they're a team that look. They were ravaged by this COVID pandemic as much as anybody uh, so far this season, and uh, for a stretch. And you know, the win-loss record showed it. Um, but they seem like a team that's finally starting to get healthy in more ways than one. And um, these guys are playing excellent football. Um, you can also argue they've run into some bad teams at, at the end of the stretch. Um, you know, Dallas, Cleveland, uh, uh, Jacksonville, and and the Giants is a nice little stretch. And the Cleveland game was obviously a tough game, and they that was an impressive impressive showing that they had in that one. But and then they're going to end with the Bengals. But they're also they're also hitting their stride at the right time. And regardless, you can argue it's the, competi- the level of competition, but um, sometimes momentum is all you need, and that confidence is all you need. So uh, I wouldn't – obviously, Greg Roman's offense, you still have your doubts. You know, if you get down in a playoff game, are you are they ever going to come back? You know, Lamar Jackson, I don't think he's ever done that um, in his career. Come back, come back from a deficit that is beyond, I think, a touchdown. But um, – but they also play a style of play that if, you know, if they can really muck up the game a little bit, uh, they might be able to give Kansas City some trouble. Um, we saw them play obviously early in the season. Kansas City uh, was able to put it on them, but I don't know. We'll see We'll see in a second matchup. They're the team, if there's anybody outside of Buffalo that you look at, I would look at Baltimore. I'll tell you what, I hate to agree because sometimes that like kind of like is not the most fun, but I mean, I'm going to agree. I know that there are teams like the Bills and, this, you know, I, I think we're all kind of done with the Steelers despite their 12-3 record. I think the Bills are a team that a lot of people look at, and I'm intrigued by the Bills. But I guess to me it's just the idea of, like, do I really think Josh Allen's going to outplay Mahomes in a big game? And it's no disrespect to Josh Allen. I don't know. He gets a lot of it. I'm not here to be that guy. But I just don't think he's that good. Like, not that good. And I say not that good. I mean, I think he's a very good player, but not good enough to do that against Mahomes. Um yeah, it's gonna have, the, they they'd have to win in a shootout. I don't think that they can do that. Right? Are the Baltimore Ravens the two thousand and five Steelers? Oh, the two thousand and five. Because think about that: the two thousand five Steelers, after going fifteen and one the year before, with a hot shot young quarterback who set all these rookie records, um, 
who everyone thought was uh, gonna, you know, do a damn Marino, take his team to the to the to the champ to the Super Bowl. They this time he'd win it. Ran to a more veteran, more physical um, team in New England and got trounced at home. Now, obviously, the Titans not as you know seasoned as the Patriots, but more physical, more seasoned, more veteran. And they punched him in the face. And then the next year, people thought, oh, well, they'll be back. And they'll dominate next year. And it was a rough season for the Steelers that year. The Bengals came on red hot. They were the hot young team everybody was talking about. They were the team that was going to threaten the Patriots moving forward. And they were going to team that maybe was going to win multiple championships because they're a young nucleus. That's all we heard. And the Steelers, you know, Kimo Von Ohoff, and I know that's a sore subject for the Bengals fans, takes out Palmer's knee. I'll leave that yeah. there. Um they beat up on the Bengals on the road. They win a couple more road games. They knock out Peyton Manning, despite that, that team going like 14-2, and two, one of the best offenses of all time. And they win uh, in Denver uh, in the conference championship game. They go into Detroit, trying to win one for the thumb with Jerome Bettis retiring. And at that point, it wasn't an upset, but the, Ste- the Seahawks were a much better team all regular season. And they handled the Seahawks with kind of the same way they played all year, just rough and tumble physical football and just a level of maturity that we saw from not just Ben, but that whole team. Um, some of the guys who had, had, had dealt with some postseason losses starting to kind of, you know, wanting to get that bad taste in their mouth. The Ravens have a lot of similarities with that team. And it, it, it's, it's young quarterback who everyone thought was going to light the world on fire and win his first Super Bowl fairly easy. Didn't do that. Not even close. Fell on their face. They thought he'd come back next year and light it up. Didn't happen. But all of a sudden, when they had to start winning some games, they start to round into shape. You start to see them making the clutch plays that we didn't see them making like we saw in that game against Cleveland a couple weeks ago. Something's happening in Baltimore. Something's happening in Baltimore. Now, that Chiefs team is a juggernaut, man. And I, that's going to be a tough out for anybody. But... I think that the Baltimore Ravens are better for this very difficult regular season that they had than if they would have just ran through everybody like they did last year. I think they've learned a lot about their team. I think they know more about what their strengths and weaknesses are. And I would give them a fighting chance against the Chiefs, even on the road. Because the thing about the Chiefs is they, they, they will get behind on teams. That's, that happens. Yeah. The question is, can you keep that lead, given how powerful that offense is? What happened is it, to is it any team that's built to play from ahead? It's the Ravens. Yeah, what happened to Atlanta this weekend would not happen to Baltimore. No, and Atlanta should have won that game, and they choked. And uh, which shocker? <laughs> uh, there, there, yeah, no, plenty of jokes you could tell. <laughs> that that the, the jokes tell themselves when it comes to Atlanta jokes. Uh, but still, um, you know that that's the way that that's that's the style of football that, that Baltimore loves. And the one part, the one part of this that I just, I, I, I can't buy is that is Kansas city going to get down. Is Mahomes not going to be up for a matchup against Lamar Jackson? Because we know that that from a billing standpoint, it's just going to be, it's tremendous. And we saw it last time in Baltimore, Monday night football, Mahomes came in ready. And that whole chief team came in ready to play. Uh, and the, yeah, the so Ravens every time were, every time he sees Lamar, he's trying to put up fifty points. One hundred percent. And so that's the that's the part of it. Like, I you know, if they were to run into 
Indianapolis. I could see them maybe sleepwalking a little bit. And Indianapolis is also going to be a team that that I'm I'm intrigued by in this postseason as well. Uh, if they ran into Miami, I see them sleepwalking a little bit, but I don't know if it's going to be, come against Baltimore. It's not going to come against Baltimore. It's not going to come against Tennessee. It's not going to come against uh, Buffalo or um, it's the last team I'm missing, uh, Pittsburgh. You know, it's not going to come against any of those teams. But um, you know, I, I, I that that would be the part of it where, but you know, again. If Wink Martindale cooks up a good enough defensive scheme, um, if they're able to take Tyreek Hill out of the game, that that that's what seems to be the recipe for keeping the the Chiefs at bay. Obviously, they don't have Clyde Edwards-Alaire right now, so that takes away one dimension. Because Le'Veon Bell, I mean, look, he is what he is, but he's, he's not as good as Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Right, obviously, um, you know, uh, but that takes away that takes away one dimension. They're running they're running attack now as well. Not as good as not as good as it's been. Uh, all season, Damian Williams has played well uh, recently, but um, you know, but if you can take Tyree Kill out of the game, and you know, which is not easy to do, obviously, uh, but he's been hampered by injuries the last few weeks. If you're able to 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 do, if you're able to do that like Atlanta did this weekend, then um, I think they're beatable. You know, I mean, Kelsey is is also really good, and that's the part of it where you can't really. You, he's the you one take, guy you, you can't take away. Take. You take away one. You know, yeah, you're giving the other. You're getting the other killed guy. by Kelsey, right? Yeah, you get killed by Kelsey, and that's what happened to, to Atlanta uh, this weekend. So, um, if if Kansas City is able to get Edward Jolaire back, then you know, I don't know, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough tracking. What do you think about? I have a question about the AFC before we move to the NFC. What do you what do you make of the the Miami Dolphins situation with Tua? Because we saw this weekend Brian Flores makes the move. Really, it was, it was Saturday. Uh, makes the move uh, on Saturday Night Football um, from Tua, who was giving them nothing, to, to Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, in a must-win game, and Fitzpatrick, you know, puts out, you know, pulls out a miracle um, on, you know, on the road in in Las Vegas. And Brian Flores was getting killed, by the way, on Twitter and you know by the by the talking heads um, for pulling Tua. Saying, what are we doing? You know, this guy's the franchise quarterback. Why are we messing with him? And they won the game. Uh, but what do you what, what do you make of where the Dolphins are at with that with that QB controversy? You know, because I've made right. the case. I made the case weeks ago, and people didn't really. Well, I don't know if people believe me or not, but you know, it's not. It's a case that not everybody was necessarily making. That obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick is, makes him a much better football team. You know, mm-hmm. but um, it's it seems as if that's starting to catch. A little bit of momentum, and I think obviously, clearly, Brian Flores agrees. Uh, but does that matter to you, or do you still say, "Look, we can win with Tua"? It's just, you know, it's obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick's better for it right yeah, now. Yeah, it's a yeah. tough, it's a tough thing. Stuff conundrum. Part of me feels like he's actually playing it well. Where I, just I think, like, yeah, that makes me perfectly right. I mean, to me, it's just like I mean, Tua is the guy; he's the future. He should get the reps, and that, like the fact that you are a good team is actually more of the reason why he should get the reps. To be honest, right? Those playoff reps not... are, are crucial for young players, right? Um, but here's the thing, though: you said playoff reps. I'm wondering if once you get to the playoffs, you just start Fitzpatrick because at that point, now you're trying to win the Super Bowl, right? And, right. And do That's, you no. say I'm starting against Buffalo, and he'll play as long as he plays well? But like Ryan's get is getting prepped to be the guy 
for our first round road game in the playoffs. And it's unorthodox, but I kind of feel like if I was the coach, that's probably what I would do. Like, I think he should be starting all these games. And I think making the playoffs what is, like, nice, but, like, I'm not, not like, getting two of these reps because I'm trying to make the playoffs. So, now, we're in a situation where, oh, we can win these games. Like, we should try to get in, and if he's not playing, well, yeah, I'm going to pull him so we can try to win the game. But I think once I get into the playoffs, I may have to take a step back and say, okay, Ryan gives us the best chance to win. At least gives us the best chance to be more effective offensively, which I guess is also the same thing. But, you know what I'm saying? So, I, yeah. I, I want – and for these guys that are in the locker room that are killing themselves to – to, to scratch and claw and, and put together this, you know, miraculous season. Like, I owe it to them to give them the shot with the guy that we all know that they think should be starting. Or at least they know they think that gives them the best chance to win. Because they, they may be fine with this two or three. But, and, I, and that may be the conversation I have with both guys. I may come this week say, Tua, this is your, you know, your game here against Buffalo. Um, and unless you're, unless you, you know, you're struggling, whatever, I may go to Ryan. But when we get to the playoffs, I'm gonna try to get Ryan in there. He's gonna get the reps. It's a very unorthodox thing. I know there are people who will listen to probably think that that's idiotic, and I understand it. But it's a very tough situation. They, they kind of played this very weird. Like I think that Tua, I think if they had it all do all over again, I mean, well, I don't know, do all over again. I think in a perfect world, Tua wouldn't have had a dislocated hip. He would have started from week one. That never yeah. happened. <laughs> Yeah. So Ryan he, Fitzpatrick, he much better probably. <laughs> right. So so you would have just played him all year and it wouldn't have mattered. We never would have saw Ryan Fitzpatrick unless Tua got hurt or something. Here, you had to wanted to get him in there, but he wasn't ready week one. So you had to play a couple of weeks with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You were playing okay, but like still wasn't sure what this really was. So like I was one of the people out here defending Flores for going to to uh, to Tua because I was like Ryan had. Three good games and three terrible games. So I mean, yeah, I know this is better than what we thought from the from the Dolphins, but that, he didn't wow anybody to win the job. So I was okay with it, considering this is your guy. I don't think that they anticipated they would be in it in the hunt this late and also be this intriguing. Because and I, I know we both kind of been. I hate the Dolphins, but we both been singing their praises of like, man, like if this team had real quarterback play, like their defense is so good, the Chiefs might. They might say something to the Chiefs in a one-game elimination situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, like, but their quarterback play has been the issue. So we didn't think – no way thought they'd get to this point. So this is where now you're in this kind of impossible game. Um, I, but I, I had no issue with him pulling to it because you're trying to win. At this point, you owe it to your guys to try to win those games. Now you're this late into the game. And yeah. Ryan to gave me, him the best shot, and it was the right move. Look, I, I, I continue to go with the same system. You know, and then maybe maybe that's not good for Tua's psyche. You know, coming to games thinking, yo, if I if I have a bad quarter, I'm gonna get pulled. But I mean, you know, like, but my thing is, that, look, that team is clearly they play. It, it's it's a different team when when Ryan Fitzpatrick is out there. Like they don't run they don't run nearly the same stuff. Like they they their offense with two out there is is like it's on training wheels, which. I mean, some people have argued like that's not good. Like, two, like you got to open it up for Tua, but I think they know that Tua is not ready to run the same offense as, as Fitzpatrick's running. Um, you know, it reminds me the offense when Tua is out there reminds me of the team really in general when Tua is out there. It reminds me of that Jets team with Mark Sanchez, where you know, I mean, look, you have a young quarterback and you can win 
you can win in spite of him, but you're not necessarily going to win because of him. Um, and you know that's they, they, that's the that's the level of quarterback play that two is at right now. Um, you know, there's those guys that you win because of. There's those guys that you win you can win with, uh, which I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of those guys. And then those guys you win in spite of. Um, and there's you guys you just can't win with. Uh, who another guy we're going to talk about uh, <laughs> later in the show? But um, but right now I think Tua right now is in the win in spite of category, um, and I think eventually he can he can develop into a win with and maybe even a, a win because of God. But right 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 now he's a win he's a win in spite of kind of guy, and that's not. I mean, I mean, if you, I mean when you have a guy on your roster, Ryan Fitzpatrick, that right now is helping you win football games. It's hard for me to. It's hard to sell it to the rest of those guys, especially that defense has played so good. That you're gonna play a guy that you, you're gonna you're gonna continue to play a guy that's clearly, you know, I would say hurting your team, but you know, it's it's not at the level of, of 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 the guy behind him. So it's a tough conundrum. I again, I would start to in some of these games, especially those playoff games. Because again, I think the reps are are important, but it's it also, you know. It, it becomes a it becomes a tough conundrum for Brian Flores, but give Brian Flores all the credit he's, he 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 deserves all the credit for the way he's for the job he's done this this season. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, to be honest, who or, who or anybody to say anything to Brian Flores about how he should be running his team? That's what that's what's ridiculous. You know what I'm like none of us thought they would be any good, so it's like yeah, I think he can do the job. I think he's doing just fine. Yeah, all these people saying what, what's Brian Flores doing? I'm like, and then you know, of course they win the game, and it's like. I look. I'm gonna stop questioning Brian Flores, you know, and I think everyone else should as well. I mean, to me, I, I think he's. I know. Look, I, I think uh, Matt Lafleur has done an excellent job. I think, uh, you know, obviously Andy Reid's done an excellent job this season. Kevin uh, Stefanski some love. Yeah, Kevin Stefanski, um, and you know Ron Rivera. Even with all the stuff he's had to deal with, possibly making the playoffs is, is deserves a lot of credit as well. Um, I, to me, I, I don't know if I can give a coach coach of the year for, for winning seven games, but I mean, no, neither time. Yeah. But, but it's an excellent story nonetheless. Um, but, but Brian Flores, I mean, he took a team that just a year ago was lamented for being like, they were the Jets just a year ago. (laughs) And now, you know, when he, when he inherited the job, like imagine if the Jets were in the playoffs, you know, two years from now. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, credit. To credit to Brian, Brian Flores for doing an excellent job. Yeah, I also want to say that that um that uh cannot no no that I uh, you know can't win with him segment of the show that Kendall was on was brought to you by uh, Mike Singletary. You know on his infamous <laughs> rant, the <infamous laughs> cannot play with him, cannot win with him, cannot coach with him, can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you like said can't like win with him like 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 eight times <laughs> in that little thing. Yeah. I was like, anybody listening to this who knows anything about Mike Singletary yeah, is definitely yeah. going to be like, where have I heard this from? Uh, yeah, man. Um, that, that's, look, that's how these, uh, that, was, that was a little uh, sneak peek into how some of these teams evaluate quarterbacks, man. Work. But, you know, you have to look at it from that. Uh, you have, that's, that's how a lot of these teams look at it. You know, they look at it from those four uh, kind of categories. And right now, to uh, is. Two is in the in the in the second you know he's in that second category of you win in spite of and it's you know it's not what you want to hear uh it's not what you want from a guy you draft in the top five and you got these people right now the the peanut gallery that's you know chirping about maybe they should have drafted Justin Herbert 
Uh, you even got the peanut gallery of chirping, you know, they're going to have the number three pick in the draft. Possibly do they look at Justin Fields or Zach Wilson? I mean, I don't know. It, it, it'll be interesting. This two of stuff. I mean, I, to me, I think you just draft Penny Sewell and you just, you, you call it a day, yeah. but uh, <laughs> you know, you have a quarterback, but it, yeah, I don't know. Um, real, real quick on the NFC. I mean, right now the, the, the Packers are at the top. Um, but it's still a lot to be um, decided. To me, the NFC is a weird division because I feel like, or conference rather, because unlike last year where the 49ers to me were clearly a great team, I don't know if there are any teams I think are, that are great teams. <laughs> like, like which is going to be really fascinating by the time we get to the playoffs. I feel like any of them are kind of beatable. Yeah. I think you gotta like how the Packers have obviously played. They're on a five game winning streak and they've looked they've won these games fairly handily. Like they haven't lost, none of these games really thought they were ever gonna lose. But there's still something about the Packers where I just wish they were a little more impressive. Cause they should be the team. They they went through their trials and tribulations of going to San Francisco and getting their behinds kicked in the NFC championship game. You have Aaron Rodgers, he's having an MVP season. Uh, right now, he's the favorite to win the MVP. You got Aaron Jones running the ball well. Um, Devontae Adams is just, just you can't cover that guy, um, especially when you got Rodgers throwing to him. But still, you get that same impression that something is missing with the Packers. That's how I feel every time I watch them. You know, then it's, like, if not, then it's like, if not them, then who? And I couldn't tell you. Well, that's the thing. You know, they, they're kind of similar to last year's Packers team. Right, which, exactly. You know, Rodgers is much better, but they have those same kind of, those same those same issues of, man, something doesn't click with this team. Uh, but the difference is that there is no San Francisco out there. So they might be able to run through the NFC. But the pro- but if they were in the Kansas City, like, I mean, you know, yeah, that's a whole yeah, I don't I don't like how that, I don't like how that matchup plays out right now. Yeah, right, I, I totally agree. Um you know, if, if if I were to look, I mean, if I were to pinpoint a team in the NFC that can clip them, I think it's Seattle. Um, Seattle's defense is playing much better. Uh, I, you know, I know Jamal Adams thinks they're the best in the league. Uh, I disagree. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so tired, uh, Jamal. Can he just stop talking? Yeah, you know, I think the axe is look. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I mean you're a Jets fan, so it's going to sting even more. But like, look, his his. His act, you know, he's he's coming from a situation where he lost uh, a lot of games, uh, obviously. But you know, you would like to you you would like for him to act like he's been there a little bit. You know, Jamal Adams is just great football player. Everybody who knows how I talk about Jamal Adams just knows I think he's a complete stud. But he just conducts himself like the high school jock who thinks that like he is the most important person on this face of this earth and everything revolves around his opinion and his thoughts. And it's so annoying because it's a, 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 he's in a locker room with a lot of other good players. He's in a team. He's in a, a league with a lot of the great teams. And it's like, bro, chill. Like your team is not being disrespected. Your, your team gets talked about every week. What are you talking about? You have 11 wins. Yeah. Relax. But that energy is just like, I've seen it from him since, this whole Jets fiasco started. <laughs> does he know, not? Am I, am I off on that? Does he not sound? Does he not remind you of that kid in high school? That jock who thinks he like everything about him and what he thinks and what he wants to talk about is important. 
That's who he reminds me of. And it's like, it's so annoying at this point. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I think he, um, like I said, I think there needs to be a level, uh, probably a level of, you know, you know, again, people always talk about, you know, act like you've been there, you know. Level and, of humility, dude. And he, he's made that, he's made that, uh, he's made it almost a point to act like he hasn't been there, just to remind people that I've never been here before. But just It's like, crazy. yo, no, it's like, yo, no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, no yeah. one cares. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, we know you were on a bad team. No one yeah. cares. And the fact that the fact that he keeps reminding me of that, it's like I know he said that dealing with the New York situation was difficult. And I don't I'm not hating on him for that. I believe it probably was for someone who cares that much about winning. But it almost it's almost like you're like it's almost like giving you a handicap going into these playoffs. Cause you look like the happy to be here guy. Yeah. He, he acts and looks like the happy to be there guy. So if they don't play well, am I going to start hearing, well, I, I look at what we did and look what we accomplished when nobody thought we could. Everyone thought you could. What are you talking about? Right. Like This is the first I've been in my career. It's like, well, yeah, nobody's going to care if you don't win a Super Bowl in Seattle. That's what they care about there. I'm just so yeah. – I, I did not expect to get into the Jamal Adam Durant. But <laughs> clearly you triggered me because, like, <laughs> it's just, like, ridiculous with this guy. Yeah. I don't know what – Great player, but come on, dude. As you said a million times, act like you've been there before. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the that's the message uh, that Jamal Adams needs. But but no, I mean that's look. Seattle is is the defense has improved after it being the worst in the league, um, and so I think I think they're a team that's gonna be dangerous. You know, Russell Wilson's played uh, played very good football. Um, um, although the offense. Uh, stagnated a little bit last week against uh, against LA, um, but overall, I think that I think Seattle's the one team that I think can can really, you know, I thought the Rams maybe, but without Goff, that's 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 done. Even with Goff, I mean, the way he's been playing, I'm I'm knowing the Rams <laughs> for me. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you for being out. He looks he looks suspect. He looks suspect. We gotta just keep it a hundred. The last two three weeks. And a team that's trying to clinch a playoff spot, you can't feel good about what you saw from Jared Goff. Credit yeah, what well, credit is due for him finishing that game with that broken, dislocated thumb. That took guts, and I never questioned him being a tough guy. But losing to the Jets, that first half against the Seahawks, some of these games we've seen from him this year, he don't he don't look like whatever they're paying him. Whatever that caliber okay. player is, that the one he's getting, he don't look like that. Yeah, no, he doesn't. Uh, I think Tampa is the other team you have to look at. I'll be honest. For me, the team is Tampa. Now, the question is, do I feel like... I I hate the idea of Tom Brady playing in Lambo. I know some people will say, oh, he's played all his whole career in (laughs) sub-degree weather. Yeah, in the prime. I'm like, like, yeah, I watched him play in sub-degree weather last year against the Titans, and he looked how he looked. I'm talking about current history, not ancient history. Yeah, Ten years yeah. ago, if the, the if he's in the Superdome or in pristine conditions in Tampa, which it won't happen because they're a wild team most likely, but if we're talking about those conditions, yes, the Buccaneers, I say they are definitely a threat. The only thing that 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 pauses me with the Buccaneers in terms of whether or not I think that they're the team is Tom Brady against that pass rush with Zedarius Smith and and um and Preston Smith, the Smith boys. I think 
I don't know. I don't feel good. I don't feel good about that in Lambeau Field with how I've seen him deal with those kind of conditions in these cold games in the last two or three years. He doesn't look like the Tom Brady that looked like he could throw for 300 in a snowstorm, which is what he was. He doesn't look like that kind of guy now. And the Packers defense, I think, has come a long way from what they were last year, which was a nice defense. I think now they're a tough, solid defense. Not gonna, not great or crazy, but I, I think that they would give them problems in those conditions. But to me, they're the team. They're the team, though. Like in a vacuum, I would say that they're the team. The the, I, the question mark I'd have is is will Tom Brady be ready for that game? And I know it may sound disrespectful because the guy is arguably the goat. I, I I understand that, but I'm just keeping it real with what we've seen from Brady in recent years. You know. He just, it hasn't just been a guarantee that uh, in those spots he's going to be lights out. Yeah, Tampa Bay seems like at his age. They could, they could also lose. They could the also lose round. to Washington. 100%. Or Dallas. Yeah. You know, in, a playoffs, in a playoff game. Which sounds, I know it sounds crazy. Like, they lose to Dallas, but you know, I don't know, man. That that's the kind of, that's the way they play. They're, they're very Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, they're very Jekyll and Hyde. And, you, you know, do I you know. Think, do, you, do you talk that up more to their coaching or do you talk that up more to their quarterbacking? Uh, there's no reason for them to be like that. They shouldn't be Jekyll and Hyde, given the roster. Yeah, I mean, I look to the... Because I kind of lean coaching, to be honest. I think it's, I, I think it's a mix of... I think, it's kinda, I think they kind of go hand in hand. Right. Um, I think Brady is limited. You know, I don't think Brady is... is, is he's not a... I mean, he's not a top five quarterback in the league. Um yeah, you know, I don't. I don't think that that's a uh, that's a hot take, but, um, but I think because of that, like, yeah, scheme matters with this Tampa Bay team, and, mm-hmm. um, I, to me, I don't know the defense sometimes comes we're, in and out. Want to talk about Jekyll and Hyde unit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Sometimes that defense is vaunted, and I mean, I don't know what to make of what they did last week against Detroit. A team with you know the wide receivers coach was with the interim head coach. Uh, shouts out to him, but you know he didn't also didn't have much help on the coaching staff because everyone was gone. Um, and I don't know, I, mean, I don't know what to make of that unit. And Matt Stafford obviously got got hurt. I mean they looked they looked fantastic, but they were playing as nobody. So, um, so yeah, I mean they did an excellent job on DeAndre Swift. You know against Minnesota they played well as well. Uh, again, you're not going to give them too much credit, although Kirk Cousins had a good year. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, Tampa, they have the highest upside, I would say. I still would give Seattle maybe that edge as well. Uh, but if you're talking to anybody else besides Seattle, to me, I think it's I think it's Tampa Bay. Um, I think Seattle's going to win the NFC. That's my guess. Wow. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be Green Bay because – all these teams are so untrustworthy. I think it's just Green Bay's time. Sometimes that happens. I don't. I'm not totally convinced with them, but if, if you had to pinpoint, well, what is wrong with them? I, I couldn't exactly tell you. Which sometimes I mean, oh, it's their time. Maybe they don't win the Super Bowl, but they get, they beat these other teams that have more glaring issues. Seattle's offense is up and down, or really their offense just hasn't really been that good for the last month or so. Um, their defense has been. Poor most of the season, but it's played well recently. Um, 
we don't know what the Saints are with their quarterback situation. Um, so yeah, I don't much of Alvin yeah, Kamara getting going like, for six against that terrible Vikings defense. I'm not gonna really go crazy about that either. Great, it's a crazy. I'm I'm going crazy about the performance. That was insane. But in terms of like what that means for like, like two <laughs> like, touchdowns in a, in, a, in a Christmas Day game, I, I'm not blinking. <laughs> yeah, no, that was history being made. Yeah. Shout outs to Alvin Kamara. I'm talking about what where I, I think about that in regards to what that means when they play against the Packers. Shout out to uh, the teams. I don't. The Vikings are awful. Shouts out to the guy in our fantasy league that had Alvin Kamara and Stephon Diggs uh, on the same team, and Sean Watson. He put up uh, 193 points. That was in like a consolation game. Yeah, he uh, yeah, uh, he uh, he he lost uh, to the uh, eventual winner. So I almost ran into him, but yeah, yeah, it's good. That's funny because I was actually yeah. rooting for that guy to win. Yeah, yeah you, so got, you got the better matchup. Yeah, and I ended up getting the better matchup and still losing. But um, I looked at his roster, like, oh, I can beat this guy. But yeah, uh, nah. no, <laughs> that would not have been the case. Of that. I would have lost by almost hundred points. So. Yeah, no, you didn't want that smoke. Um. Dwayne Haskins, Ken, though he's out of a job, he's no longer yeah. no longer quarterback in the, in the NFL as of right now. Uh, he's the first round pick last season. A lot of people thought that he actually was uh, underrated um, coming into that draft and was you know steal steal where they the really Giants went. Caught a lot of flack. Yes, they did for not drafting yeah. the I'm sure we gave jersey. Yeah, but sure enough. Um, he's now out of a job, and it comes after a very, very tumultuous two seasons in, in Washington. Um, the, the situation seemed to get more tumultuous when Ron Rivera, coach, comes in, not a guy who he drafted, and um, he never seemed to really uh, do what was necessary, I guess, to make Ron Rivera believe in him. And the, the straw that seemed to break the camel's back was this week him getting fined. You know, what was it two hundred thousand something crazy? He got fined a lot of money. It was twenty thousand. It, it was a lot of money. Whatever he got fined, <laughs> it was a lot. Um, breaking COVID protocol. He, he seemed like he had some um, adult entertainment <laughs> or whatever you want to call that uh, uh, with him. Sorry, he to, yeah, he went out to a gentleman's club. Obviously, that's frowned upon when it comes to uh, COVID safety right now. This is obviously before another huge game with him trying to find a way to get into the playoffs. And he went out there, despite, you know, that situation. They didn't bench him or anything. He went out and got the start. And he played some more miserable football, threw two picks, and got uh, benched for uh, Taylor Henke, who I've never heard of before. Taylor Heineke, yeah. Heineke, whatever his name is. I've never heard of this dude before. Um, <laughs> literally the first time I've heard this guy's name. Went to school at Old Dominion. Shout out to Old Dominion. But uh, So he's kind of a local kid, or at least local college kid. But... The next day, uh, it was over for Dwayne Haskins. And I'll be honest, I think it might, it, there's a chance he, it sounds, not to be fair, it sounds like there is interest early on, which is good. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for him. I hope that he does get another shot. I, I thought this might be it for him. I thought this level of ineptitude matched with immaturity, unless it, he took drastic measures, which is usually some form of finding Tony Dungy, uh, <laughs> that this was going to be this is going to be the end of Dwayne Haskins' NFL career. But so far, uh, Ian Rappaport says, "Well, he's not going to get signed probably the rest of the season." There are teams that are interested in him uh, when the off season comes about, and I, and I get it because I think that you know even if you didn't love him coming out of college, I mean there are 
you know, he has physical tools that are impressive. He's strong. He can make almost any throw. But I think clearly he's a kid that didn't um, – that's just like the, the maturity that's necessary for being a franchise quarterback and the discipline that that takes. He just doesn't have that right now. It's not to say that he won't ever have it. I mean, Jim Plunkett was a busted number one pick and then ended up being a Super Bowl champion years and years later. And not to say that that's because he was, you know, not trying or not doing putting the work early on, but it's just to say that these guys kind of develop at their own speed, and, and maybe he's got thrown in a position that was not suited for him. But what, what do you make kind of how this whole thing shook out with uh, Haskins? Yeah, yeah, like you said it. It never started off on. It didn't start off on the right foot because there was all the talk about how Jay Gruden wanted nothing to do with him. It was kind of stiffarming him. Because uh, yeah. that wasn't the guy he wanted, um, and obviously people have their questions about Jay Gruden and his makeup or whatever, uh, you know. But uh, maybe he was right in that instance, you know. Uh, maybe it was a case where there was two two parties that were both maybe not the most mature uh, at their position. But um, with that being said, I mean, look, Haskins. Uh, first, first of all, like I said, you know, I think we have we do have to old Dave Gettleman. And the, that Giants organization, uh, as a football community, uh, an apology because they got ran through the they got ran through the mud for that Daniel Jones pick, uh, you know. And a lot of people pointed to pointing to Haskins, gonna, yeah, pointing yeah. to Haskins, saying, "Look, I mean, I'm not saying that you know you don't draft a quarterback, but you know you drafted the Daniel Jones and when and the Dwayne guy from Haskins Duke, Duke, not the guy that played, you know." You know, college football playoff and or whatever they, they you know how they did that year won a Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, threw for like fifty touchdowns. Yeah, no, we're not going to draft that guy. Uh, it it made it, it seemed odd at the time, but you know, I think we all have to understand sometimes as a you know people on the outside of these organizations that are, and and all in all sports that you know these these teams have more information than we do. Um, yes, you know, and that's not to say that they always get it right. And that they should never be questioned when they make peculiar decisions. But, you know, it's like when the Pacers made their Victor Oladipo trade. Uh, did they get lucky? I'm sure they got lucky in some – I'm sure they got lucky on some – to some instance, to some, to some respect. But um, that's not to say that they didn't think – they probably thought that they were getting a good player in Victor Oladipo. They maybe didn't think he'd become a superstar, which is what he was for a season in Indiana. Uh, and he's still obviously a very good player. But um, – you know, they, but they 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 knew they were getting something. They knew they weren't getting nothing, and they also they also got Demontis Bonus obviously in that trade as well. Right. Who, uh, you know, they actually probably destroyed the Thunder in that Paul George trade. Yeah, yeah, they did. They killed the Thunder. There's no yeah, they killed. And then the Thunder, you know, then subsequently killed the Clippers. You know, right? Yeah, they're also a good organization. That's like ah, uh, yeah, let's let's let's, let's <laughs> Paul George thing. Uh, let's let's uh let's let's put the reset button on this. Yeah, exactly. So, um. But yeah, no. So I think the Giants they deserve a little bit of credit because uh, they and I, not to say that I love Daniel Jones. I think they'll end up having to draft another quarterback uh, at some point uh, coming up here. But as of right now, you've got you, you've got Daniel Jones and he's still there. <laughs> I mean, Daniel, Dwayne Haskins is not in Washington, right. uh, and look, he's not. A lot of it is on him. Uh, you know, I think the, the Washington situation wasn't great to begin with. Uh, he's probably not a guy that should have been playing early on um and he probably needed to probably sit behind uh a more veteran quarterback but with that being said he ended up in that situation and it wasn't great for him um you know 
I, I think he does have deficiencies as a player. And I think NFL teams know that. Um, but regardless, he'll, he'll, he'll end up back on his feet because the pre-draft opinion of him is still too strong. I mean, right. you know, I mean, he was a guy some people thought should be the number one pick in the draft. So uh, someone is going to is going to take a chance on him. Um, it has to be the right situation. I would imagine, you know, he would fit best. I, I want to see him in Tampa Bay. If you want to know where I want to see him. I think you want to you want to see him with Tom. I want to see him with Brady. You know, they're taking chances on a lot of guys, obviously, recently. Mm-hmm. Arians seems to be the kind of coach that would. It's a, no nonsense to the point where like he's not gonna he's not gonna like he's not gonna deal with the nonsense of Dwayne Haskins, but he's willing to give him a chance. Um, right. As we saw it, uh, right. Brady's also the type of guy that would I think would be Brady Haskins is not good enough to threaten Brady to the point where Brady will, will, will step on him. You know, like Brady's like all right, we're bringing this guy. This is a reclamation project. I think he would embrace that. Uh, not in the it's not in the same vein of a Garoppolo. Uh, and you know, I also think. Putting him with Byron Leftwich could be good as well because Byron Le- Byron Leftwich right now, assuming he's there next year and he's not a head coach, uh, still one of the you know up and coming offense coordinators in the league, and is a quarterback that was similar to Dwayne Haskins in a lot of respects. He's, so, he's, he 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 in some ways was Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, exactly. So not not necessarily off the field. Stuff, yeah, but as a player, there very right. there are a lot of similarities. Right. So I mean, that would be the that would be the spot that I would I would hope that he can get. Uh, linked up to. I know some people, you know, would think about Pittsburgh as well. That could be maybe be another another spot. Yeah. Getting with Tomlin. I thought about Pittsburgh. I thought about Seattle too. You know. Yeah. Pete Carroll seems to also uh, like sometimes those reclamation projects. And I just question. I, I think. Russell, yeah. Sorry, what did you say? I I was going to say my question is: he ever going to get on the field, or is that a situation where? Like, I that's mean, his bridge. Like Winston. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to me, I, I'll be honest. I mean, I don't know if I'm a team right now that I'm banking on him being the guy when my guy goes. Like, I, I, right. I, I don't think, like, I, like, I know Carolina is one of the teams that's, that's, I think, the only team that's been named that's interested, which is really interesting considering this is the team that ended up getting him fired probably but because he played against the <laughs> So it's like, oh, yeah, they just saw him. I'm like, really? But anyway, um, but, you know, to me, like, Carolina is kind of a, a tough spot because it's like, you know, he gets there, and it's going to be like, it's just like any team. Like, the backup quarterback always becomes the most popular guy for a team that doesn't have a guy who's, like, 100% locked into that spot. It's going to be, you right. know, once Teddy kind of has, you know, his Teddy kind of game where, you know, right. not, he's doing fine, but they're not threatening the other team in any way. You know, people are going to say, hey, look, man, Aston has got more natural ability. Let's get him in there. And it's, I don't think he needs that right now. I think he needs yeah. to go to a place where he's going to learn how to be a professional. Yeah, he can kind of get out of the limelight. Yeah, and usually what happens is those guys end up getting in because someone gets hurt or something, and they end up playing pretty well, and then they end up getting a big deal on the on the next contract. I think that that's to me. If I was Haskins' agent, that's what I'm. That's what I'm pointing him. I'm not pointing him well, to right Dallas. now. He doesn't have an agent because yeah, well, uh, they parted ways. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I'm sure the agent was like, I've had enough of this. Um, <laughs> I'm not pointing him to Jacksonville, or I'm not pointing him anywhere where there's some question about you know Atlanta, <laughs> where they where they, they, they want to see him. See, well, there's a lot of reasons, EJ. Why I don't want to, I don't want him in Atlanta or Houston. <laughs> he has, yeah, those, those cities would tend to look like they'd be a problem for him, considering what we saw. Las Vegas may also uh, be a problem <laughs> for him. And ironically, I mean, besides Houston, the other two teams, I mean, yeah, they will be teams that if he got there, I think there would be interest in like what could he do if we put him out there. And I don't think that yeah. that's 
where he needs to be. I, I hope Dwayne um, figures this out. I, I, I mean, we don't know any of these guys personally, but I don't get the impression that he's a bad kid. I, I think no, that he's just, and I don't think I've even heard that from anyone. It's just he's not mature enough to be a quarter, a starting NFL quarterback, and what that entails. Yeah, and, he's not. And, he's not. He's not mature enough mixed with like his talent level is not so extreme. Right, like get, I mean, yeah, his talent level is not going to overcome that. Like, like, like Michael Vick talks about how he was solely un- immature, but like, right, 100%. he ran. A, he ran a four two, so it didn't. It didn't matter because he was that. Yeah. He was that special of an athlete. Dwayne clearly yeah. isn't that. Like you know, they, we've seen plenty of quarterbacks come coming in and out, and a lot of them have been able to get by. On, on their talent level. You know, we saw Vince Young early in his career was so talented that, you know, that, that, that it didn't matter. You know, on the other hand, you see a guy like, you know, uh, Johnny Mandel, where that talent level was not there, unfortunately. And, you know, or you could argue his problems were so extreme that like, you know, <laughs> no matter how good he was, you know, he wasn't going to be able to get by, but regardless, like, yeah. Um, you know, I, I definitely feel like, uh, well, the one thing I want to say is that when I look at the one person that I think doesn't, I won't say deserves blame, but I'll say this is just a, a trend that I've seen in 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 the NFL that I think has you know with some of these some of these teams and what they've done with these guys at the quarterback position that I think needs to be this this is a, is a is a microcosm of that issue, and I think it's the. You know, as we saw last week after Haskins had his old issue, Ryan Rivera, Ron Rivera um, stripped Haskins of his captaincy. And to me, the first question I think I and a lot, I think a lot of people probably ask is right. wh- why and when was Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins ever captain the Washington <laughs> right. football team? Right. What I mean, look, I'm not in that locker room. I'm not in that in that building. So I, I can't I can't, you know, pretend to say that Dwayne Haskins wasn't. Uh, living, pretend to say that, that I know that Dwayne Haskins wasn't living up to that captain's that captaincy, uh, you know, in training camp or whatever. But I mean, look, if I can I can certainly uh, you know suspect that Dwayne Haskins probably wasn't living up to it based off the stuff that I've seen and you know just on field play. I just have questions, and it's become a trend that now that these teams make their their quarterbacks regardless of how good or how seasoned you've been, the captain. And, and you, you could say it's nothing. But, like, I think that kind of stuff is, like, it's it, it's coddling a guy like Dwayne Haskins. When, you know, assuming he didn't earn it. Yeah, maybe he did earn it. Maybe he just he earned it and he lost it. I don't yeah, I mean, it's hard to consider, even if he did earn it at some point, it's hard to see how after how the season is gone that he still des- deserved that. Right, there were. They, I mean, I, you. I mean, you know me, Jay. Like, I, I said the Haskins should have been cut. I, I texted you guys. I texted you and you and Shamari, our brother, who, who we do uh, hero talk with. Uh, I texted you guys that I would cut Haskins after the 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 situation with the club, right. and that was last week. That was before he got on the field. So I was not surprised, and I don't think a lot of people obviously were surprised that uh, you know he got cut. I thought it was actually probably a week too too late, but. Um, but they were they. This this has been a culmination of a lot of things with Dwayne Haskins. This wasn't a one time situation. Yeah, of course. Um, if it was, then I'd be like, this is very excessive. This is an excessive punishment, and you're giving up on a guy way too quickly. But this is this was like a last straw. Um, 
But, I mean, you look around the league, I mean, I'm pretty sure Daniel Jones is captain of the Giants. I know Joe Burrow is captain of the Bengals. But Joe Burrow is a special kind of – he's a special. From what I remember, when they gave him that captaincy, I heard that, like, they thought that he was special in the locker room. They thought he really earned the it. Burrow, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember they, when they did that. Yeah, they, yeah, that was a big deal, like, Burrow getting the captaincy. But then you look around, and a lot of these guys. And it's like – and then Dwayne Haskins is the one where you kind of roll your eyes. Like, really? Dwayne Haskins is captain – like well, look, after after I saw Rex Ryan named Antonio Holmes a captain, anything was possible. <laughs> That's any yeah. fan knows that that was one of the most Fella. ridiculous captaincy declarations we'd ever seen. It literally came after he lit the offensive coordinator on fire after not getting enough catches in the last playoff game. Rex <laughs> still thought I'm gonna get my captaincy because I'll maybe straighten him out, and it only got worse. So once we saw that, I mean, I, captaincy. For some teams, what, I just what, don't think they... What, what did you make, EJ? I know this is something that, that's frustrated you, but what, what did you make of the, the of the discourse that we've had the last couple of days about, you know, you know, there have been some comments made by some people uh, on television about, uh, you know... Well, there's, there's a comment made by a person, and that person was yeah. Booger McFarlane <laughs> on ESPN Monday Night Countdown. EJ's um, <laughs> like, I'm not, no, we're not... We're not because look, look, I'm going to be honest, and, like, anybody listening to this show... You know, first of all, um, I have respect for Booger McFarlane. He gets a lot of heat. He gets uh, a lot of heat. And and I I don't feel good about anybody who who does who's trying their best to do their job and like relatively, I mean, does it as good as like any of like any Joe who off the street could do. I mean he's 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 a professional, you know what I'm saying? He's played in the league for a long time, he's a Super Bowl champion. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and he takes a lot of heat, so I don't really like that. I don't like seeing any black man take as much heat as he gets for, yeah. for his job performance on television. So I, I want to make that clear, that I have a lot of respect for Booker from that regard. Um, and I also make clear that it's very rare I name drop anyone that I'm going to blast, which is what's going to happen right now. Um, because I, I just feel like, you know, I just like people to focus on what we're doing here and our show here. And I'm not, you know, there's some interesting, you know, comments we'll bring it on, but I'm not out here to like talk about what this guy said or that woman said or whatever. I, you know, I like to kind of keep it in house and what we talk about. But I, this was so egregious to me and so um, damaging potentially that I felt like this had to be very pointed and very clear about what I'm talking about here. So Booker McFarlane, after the situation with Haskins, him getting caught, it happened, I think, on the same day that they did one in that countdown. Uh, he went on and ran, and I got to shout out my guy, and it's a guy that I'm trying to, I'm telling the audience, I'm trying to get on the podcast. We will get him soon, hopefully. Chris Williamson from SNY uh, Sportsnet New York. He was the first person that really put it out there uh, about this Booger McFarlane statement that happened on ESPN, and they were having a conversation about uh, Dwayne Haskins and his transgressions, so to speak. And during that comment, that commentary they had, Booger McFarlane went on a diatribe about how this was particularly troublesome considering where black players stand right now in the NFL and their, excuse me, their motivation and their interest in the game. He said, oftentimes young players, especially, I'm going to go ahead, especially young African-American players because they make up 70% of this league. They come into this league and they ask ask themselves the wrong thing. They come into this league not saying, not how can I be a better player. They don't say, how can I be a better teammate? They don't say, how I can be a better person? How can I get my organization over the hump? 
Here's what they come in saying. They come in saying, how can I build my brand better? How can I build my social media following better? How can I work on the on Instagram and show everybody that I'm ready to go? But when it gets to the game, I don't perform. He then continued saying, Dwayne Hassan, unfortunately, is not the first case that I've seen like this. And it won't be the last. And it bothers me because a lot of it is the young African-American player. They come in and they don't th- take this as a business. It's still a game to them. I saw a quarterback do it. I saw Jamarcus Russell do it. The number one pick in the draft. They gave him $40 million And he threw it down the damn drain because he didn't take it seriously. <sighs> Booker McFarlane has since doubled down on this. And he hasn't. Not only has he, there's been no apology, but there has been no real reflection on why what he said was so egregious, asinine, offensive, um, wrong. That needs to be clear. Because I think sometimes when we have these conversations, the people who don't see where we're coming from, Kendall, I think they sometimes feel like we're too in our feelings. We're not listening to his actual words. And we're not judging them on their merit. So let's be very clear. What he said was also not true and inaccurate. So let's 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 dice this the way this needs to be uh, handled. First of all, he starts his comment saying, "I'm saying talking about the black player, which is seventy percent of this league." Okay, so you're saying there's an issue with black players, particularly, but they're seventy percent of the league. So how can you say that? It's a problem with only black people or primarily black people when it's primarily black people in the league. That in itself doesn't make any sense. I hate to bring this up, but it's it's it's, it's the only analogy I can think of. It's like when people say black on black crime. It's like, how could you say black on black crime is an issue when we know that crime happens amongst people in their own communities, regardless of race? How can you say there's an issue with black Athletes, particularly, when you're saying most of them are black anyway. Well, then, no, it just means like there's just an issue with these group of people if we're going down this road anyway. So, even that, uh, his first five words, I'm like, what is he talking about? But what I found so troubling about this is one, he talked about players not focused on the right thing right now. They only care about their brand, they only care about how they can get more social media followers. Kendall, if I'm not mistaken, was this not the, the 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 year where we saw maybe the most social justice activism we've seen from young NFL players, the ones that are most bold and most um, aggressive with their activism was black, because we 100%. we can go on a diatribe about white white players were there, but were they kneeling? Were they doing some of the the groundwork that we see black players do all the time? Or were their wives complaining about COVID shutdowns on Instagram? We could talk about branding. Um, so here you're talking about guys not having the right thing. Hmm, well, when you were playing Booker McFarlane, where, where were you when we had Amadou Diallo get killed? Where were you when we had other social justice concerns? Where were you? Were you saying that the game was bigger and therefore... You were doing the right thing, and these kids are doing the wrong thing by pointing to very serious issues, day-to-day issues that not only affect them, but affect so many young kids who don't have the opportunity to play in the NFL. So you're talking about their their 
You really talk about their activity on social media. Also talk about the good they've done. Because what they've done is 500 million times more than anything your generation did as football players. So that's number that's number two. Number three, talks about African Americans and their issues with not not taking the game seriously. And that it's a particular issue with African American players. That's funny, Booger McFarlane. What happened? Where were you when Johnny Menzel was drinking himself out of the league? Where were you when Paxton Lynch didn't, couldn't figure out the playbook, didn't have the patience, didn't have the aptitude, didn't show anything capable of being a, a, a pro football quarterback, quarterback at the high level after being a first-round pick, getting drafted by one of the greatest of all time who gave him his stamp of approval? Where were you for those? Do you remember the Boz? <laughs> Do you remember Brian Bosworth? You know, the guy that cut his you know hair into a mohawk? And marketed himself, didn't do a damn thing in the league. What about Todd Marinovich? Smoked his way out of the league. He played in your generation. Did you, did you, did you what about him? Where, where were you, like, how come when those incidents happened, we didn't talk about issues with the white athlete? Where were you with Jake Locker? When he just quit? Was, was there an issue with him and, and his focus on the league? That's the problem with this kind of garbage we're hearing from someone like Booger is it's 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 never even handed it's never correct and it always paints a broad brush and doesn't look at some of the outstanding work that we've seen from these young athletes Booger, your time is your, your time and the way your athletes and your generation came up is over I'm not, these, these young kids, they're not even my age. I'm starting to get to the point I'm old. I'm almost 30 years old. So as someone who did not play any close to professional college, the high school kids and what they do and I, how I see them market themselves and stuff, that, I'm like, well, we weren't doing that when I was in high school. Like, but I understand it's a different era. But to just do that and say, well, you guys are all doing it wrong, and then to go a step further and say, actually, it's, it's just the black kids that are doing it wrong is a joke. And it's disgusting tom brady does so much on social media and does so much to build his brand he literally has a brand tb12 lebron james does so much to build his brand guess what lebron james does with that brand he builds schools he gets people to vote he builds houses and and i'm and tom brady does charity work too i'm not trying to make it all he just all he cares about is you know selling like you know vitamins or whatever he does great stuff as well the point being is that this is a different era, and it, it looks mighty suspect when you have players of all races, all creeds, all genders, all trying to promote themselves on social media. And somehow when one player who there's never been an issue with him about social media, <laughs> when has anyone said anything about the Dwayne Haskins issue being he wants to brand himself on Instagram? I've heard well, maybe yeah. I've heard maybe 10 different issues with him. I've never once heard he cared too much about his social media. Yeah, but somehow uh, yeah. that was used to then say it's an issue yeah, with a black issues. athlete. Booger man, yeah, that I've is been, foul. That is messed up. And you should be ashamed of yourself. That was yeah. Horrendous. I have some other issues. Um, you know, I think what yeah, I think what you said. Uh, you know, mostly on point. Um, you know, I feel like you know, first of all. 
you know, the the stuff with Booger talking about, you know, it's a uh, it's a business. Um, I think it, it's a little bit of a contra- it's a little contradictory to say that you're not supposed to focus on your brand um, when yes, it's a business. These guys are worried about their personal business. Because um, Booger, unfortunately, is I under the mindset that if it's only a business for the guys that are making the money off of you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's only the. Yeah. It's only. It's only. It's so only, they uh, can do whatever they want to you, but for the be owners, damned if you use this. their brand and their yeah, image you know, and their platform to raise your brand and raise your business. Right. He mentioned how it's only you know there's billions of dollars in this game, and I'm like, there's not billions of dollars for Dwayne Haskins. Let's be of honest. Course. Come on. You know, there may be billions of dollars for Patrick Mahomes, but that's the he's the 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 zero point zero zero one percent of the league. Um, <laughs> You know, most of these guys, it's not, it's millions, it's still a lot of money, uh, but we're not, we're not talking about, the, the billions is at the owner level. Um, but the other issue um, is like you mentioned, I think Dwayne Haskins, uh, you know, his issues are not, have nothing to do with branding. Um, they have nothing to do with, you know, him not coming in and him him worried about his social media following. Uh, last time I checked, all these guys have social media. Uh, not all of them. Ninety percent of them have social media. Uh, the great players have social media. Patrick Mahomes tweets all the time. Um, and you know, Patrick Mahomes, I'm sure, is worried about his brand. Uh, at the same time, Patrick Mahomes is also a winner. Uh, those things are mutually exclusive. You know, you can. You can worry about your brand, like you said, LeBron James, Pat, Tom Brady, and still worry about your craft. Uh, I don't know. I don't know Dwayne Haskins. I don't know. Every, I don't. I don't know all the issues. Again, we don't. We're not in that building. Um, so I can't. I can't speak to whether or not Dwayne Haskins is worried about his brand or not. But that's that hasn't been my interpretation. I don't think that's been the. That hasn't been the 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 narrative uh, around him. Uh, you can argue yes. He maybe he may not have been as worried as, about his craft. Uh, as or as focused on his craft as you know he should be, but it's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily have to do all about his brand. Um, and that doesn't mean that it's it's all it's an issue issue points an issue with black athletes. And then that's the other part of it. I mean, look, I mean, do I think that there are guys? There are, of course, there've been guys that have come into all leagues um, that have come in and you know. Not came in with the right, with the quote unquote right attitude or whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't know if I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a race thing. You know, I don't think it's it, it, I don't I don't know why we have to to single out a particular race. I think because Kendall, think about it. If you're saying that, so. if you're, because think about it, Kendall, if you're saying that these kids on social media that's the issue with these athletes not getting to be who they could potentially be, reaching their potential. Well, you just said the NFL is seventy percent black so what's with the people who aren't making it to the nfl are they doing a worse job on social are they are they, are they not doing they and by your logic that means they're doing more social media than the black kids apparently because they're not focusing on their craft enough otherwise they'd be in the nfl like you're literally saying that these that what's holding these athletes back in social media but then also saying acknowledging that well 70 percent of them are black it's like well maybe they're not doing that bad they're making the nfl it's so yeah. it's such a flawed yeah. argument. It makes zero the, sense. The, on other, any the other part basis. of it, if somebody, 
you know, when I when I was with the when I was with the Eagles, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I was in that building, you know, multiple times a week, uh, three times a week, and you know, I I you know I saw those guys day day in and day out uh, on that roster. Obviously, the team's mostly black, and I never once, you know, felt like anybody was not at their job, you know. Right. The 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 environment was work was work like. The environment was professional. I never once was like any of these guys aren't focused on their craft or aren't focused on winning. Um, look, I don't I, I don't I, that was just inside the building, but. When you guys were inside the building, they were only focused on winning. I'm not saying that that's that's the case with all 32 teams. Um, maybe, maybe there are teams where sometimes these guys come in and just clock in, clock out, but they're kind of their focus is someplace else. I don't know, but my experience is these guys have been are pretty locked in. You have to be, you know, if you're not, like you're Dwayne Haskins, you're going to be out of the league. Um, and yes, there are examples of guys like Dwayne Haskins. He mentioned Jamarcus Russell. Uh, you know, you mentioned Johnny Manziel. I mean, you were talking about a guy building his brand. What quarterback has been more commercials in the last two years than Baker Mayfield? Of course. Maybe Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, because they're in a million State Farm commercials. But that's debatable. They've been more. I don't, think, I don't think they have been. Yeah, it's very debatable. Baker has been has been more commercials than. He won games before. And the this. problem with the Kendall is Baker Mayfield being commercials. Whatever you think about it is what you think about it. Yeah, I mean, it will, but it will, but it will never, Kendall. It will never be, uh, uh, you know, presented to people as look at the white athlete and how they're conducting themselves. That's no, my problem. People will say this kid Baker Mayfield is a clown. Right? They're gonna say it's Baker but Mayfield's it's issue. It's an individual. We we right. you know, we we look at these guys as individuals. That's how we should look at them. But. For whatever reason, we decided to lump Dwayne Haskins and his individual issues, which are uh, which are you know real, and you know we lumped them in with with the entire the entirety of black athletes, and that's just not. It's, it's, it's a narrative that's like you said, it's incorrect. Um, it's, it's damaging. Yeah, if you just look at percentages, you know how many you know I can name you. Of course, there are a ton of NFL athletes, you know, who've had their issues. Um. But a ton, a ton is probably not even not even the right word. There are is a, there are a, there is a, a a number, but it's a small number of NFL athletes who've had their issues, um, in comparison to the to the whole. Um, you know, I can name on on one or two 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 one or two hands the amount of guys who probably have had issues with not worrying about their craft or whatever you want to consider it, but. We've also we're also talking about a sport that's got you know thousands of players. So, uh, you know, I mean, yes, I'm sure you can look at examples. There are going to be guys who bust. A lot of times, the guys who bust, a lot of it, some of it's because of other reasons, but sometimes it's just it's mental stuff, and that happens. But you know, I think Booger, you know, I would look at I would look at Booger, and you know, if we were having a conversation, I would just say, look, he see, you know, his his energy. You can say what you want about it, but it was certainly sounded from a place of concern. And I would just tell him that, look, it, it, you can relax. You know, the Wayne Haskins situation was was one thing, but I'm not giving him that. He's from a place you know, of concern. That's that's yeah. That's and even that's probably that's even that's probably a uh, uh, a nice way of putting it. But regardless, 
you know, if he's listening, I would tell him, we got uh, Lamar Jackson, we've got Kyler Murray, we've got, uh, you know, you can say what you want about Jalen Hurts, but uh, he's he's played well early in his career. But that's uh, like, that's the point. Patrick Mahomes, right. Deshaun Watson, I, you know, and the list goes on and, and on. And all those guys, Kendall, the issue, that's what I was going to bring up those guys to end it here. Like, we've seen what some would say and it has been presented as a black renaissance when it comes to quarterback play. And it isn't just the quarterback. It's also the leadership we've seen from some of these young men. Um, the veterans like Russell Wilson or the young kids like Kyler Murray. And there's, they're all over the league at this point. And again, no word about what that means for the black community, what that means for black players. One guy who clearly isn't mature enough and doesn't have the game that those other guys have messes up and then it becomes an issue with the black athlete. That man, that's just so, so detrimental. Yeah, I think. Look, I think he he's got to just be careful with with the with the way he words these things. You know, I think. But like we say, be careful. But like to me, like that's beyond being careful. Like that's not like to like you know what I say, Kendall. I can't stand things where any bit of what I can't stand people who present arguments that are that whittle away with any critical thought. Because all so, it takes, it, all it takes is just it takes very little critical thought to be like. Hmm. Well, what about the white players who have done wrong? Are they there an issue with the white athletes? Like it, his argument literally ends there. Like there's no. What about the guys who well, don't make it? So Are careful. they not <laughs> hard enough? Like it's so it's, ridiculous. The overall message of what I think Booker was trying to get across was not was not mean spirited, or was not. It was in a, it was in a place. It was in a good place. But wording it in a way that focuses on one, he focused on race. We shouldn't have been focused in that in that regard. Um, and two, lumping it in like it's this it's this massive issue. Like he went he went into this place like, oh man, this is like the this is like the biggest epidemic in 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 in, in football right now. Is these guys that do this and that? And that's this is not the case. But if he came into that segment and he said look Dwayne Haskins has had this issue I would say all right I don't know if this is the I don't know if Dwayne Haskins is the re- is, I don't know if his problem is branding or whatever but even if that's what he took it as and he said look Dwayne Haskins has had these issues his focus hasn't always been there his maturity hasn't always been there and it's something that I've seen with players around the league um and it's something that if you're a player around the league whose focus isn't always there, or his, his attention span isn't always there, um, and he, maybe he's focused on other things off the field, I would tell that player, you may end up like Dwayne Haskins. But Kendall, here's the, here's the he problem. That, but, Kendall, but Kendall, here's the problem with that. And, and, I, have, and I have less of a problem because I'm right. like, look, he's, he's trying to help. Because there are guys around the league that have those issues. But, but, but Kendall, but wait, not, hold on. Time out, time out. Time out, Kendall, real quick, though. Here's the issue with that, though. Because... Yeah, that's not as bad, obviously. But the problem remains is why when a black kid messes up, it becomes this larger referendum on young athlete behavior when the vast majority of them are doing just fine. That doesn't seem to happen when 
Baker it's Mayfield. Uh, horror story would be a strong word, but it's a, it's a, you know, it's a right, sad but story. But my thing is keep, but my thing is keep, keep the same energy, is what I'm trying to say. That's because because the, the problem becomes you don't even have to say people people say I don't see race people see race so you don't gotta say black for people to think oh we talking about the black quarterback again because we always talk about the black quarterbacks having the issues so like you're like what that's why I'm trying to say it goes beyond being careful like these are obvious tropes that people use to not give black quarterbacks their due and their chance. And you could, Dwayne Haskins is a kid that messed up. But if you're not using that same energy for year one of Baker Mayfield or for Johnny Manziel or for Paxton Lynch, then I don't need to hear you go on your soliloquy about uh, Dwayne Haskins. Now, if you want to go to a young a young kid who's playing coming up in the NFL or in college or even in high school, and you're talking privately, you're talking face-to-face, that's a different conversation because he's in the know. You're going to go on national TV and say that this one black quarterback presents a larger issue with young athletes when you don't do that, when it's non-white athletes doing the same thing, that's where the problem well, look, is going to that's, that's where, that, yeah, that's where someone like anybody in the media... You just have, you just, like you said, you just got to play it straight. Um, and all I want is fairness. All yeah. I want is fairness. But I look, I got to go back. We, to but the, we know the issues with how black quarterbacks sometimes are represented. And you knew, I just knew that people weren't going to be able to handle this Dwayne Haskins thing right. Because there are some people who are just blaming it all on Ron Rivera. And it's just like, fam, we all wanted Haskins, Haskins to work out. Clearly, the kid. Has some issues he needs to work out and things he has to figure out. We got to stop making excuses for him because I, I said that on Twitter. Like it goes in some ways both ways for some of this stuff, and people and it's a it's, it's a complex. There's a lot of complexities to it, so it's hard. It, I'm not saying it's the easiest thing to navigate, but I mean Booger like didn't even try to navigate it. It was so sloppy and so thoughtless that like I mean you're giving him you're shooting That's him a lot thing. more bail than I'm willing to. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to help him out in that regard. I'm not you know? shooting him any bail. What he said it's was ridiculous. On TV and say that and it not be as problematic as it ended up being. Um, but the, uh, the and way in which it could be the root of what he's talking about is problematic. That's what my point is. Is that you can't? It's almost impossible to go down that road and not be problematic. I think the, I think his message, the message that he's trying to get across, is mostly. It's, I don't say it's positive, but it's, you know, it's 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 trying it's 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 trying to teach people, um, or teach, you know, young players. But the problem is that it also, like you said, is rooted in uh, stereotypes, which, um, is I mean, obviously, is not what you want, um, and that that comes through just a history of of media and you know sports and whatever but but then it's on it's on you as a media analyst and as a talking head to know these areas that you're walking into like he's not i don't think I mean, honestly, the a dumb man at all 
If you're somebody so, like, if you're someone like Booker McFarlane, I mean, if I was on TV, I, I, I mean, honestly, like, this isn't the first thing I thought of, so I, I wouldn't have said it, you know. But regardless, it's like, wrong. That's the whole thing, and that's why this. That's why I'm giving him no, no bail because it's so, because what he's but saying is, is so wrong. If you go down that road, instead of, instead of, instead of, he attacked the, the awkwardness of the conversation by saying, "Look, I'm going there." What he, what he should have said is, "Look, I understand." Because he knew he knew he, what he was going to say was going to be controversial. Whenever you say, I'm, and I'm going here, then that means you know what you're going to say is controversial. But regardless, he, what he should have said was, look, and I understand what the stereotypes are, and I understand how people are going to perceive certain things about what happened with Dwayne Haskins, but this is, this is the truth, and this is what should be, and, it, and this is how things should go. But he went down the road and he, I don't know, he stumbled. He stumbled but through it. I mean, I don't agree with any of that, but at the end of the day, though, he doesn't agree with you. Like, he doesn't, he's not taking back anything. He doesn't want to, Yeah. so yeah. he doesn't even agree with what you're saying. He's saying, well, what he, he said not, is saying he I, thinks it's I, true. I what he said. I just, yeah, I'm just, I don't, I'm not. That's why, I'm like, I not, can't, that's why I can't shoot him any bail because even, I don't even agree with what you're, like, how you even want to present it. I don't, fundamentally agree with that fund that framing i think every player is different and you shouldn't be opening up your first example of this being an issue when it deals with a black quarterback that doesn't make any sense we've been dealing with athletes well, and dealing with the, all the time stereotypes sometimes you have to just right so so but my thing but my thing is if but my but my problem so you need to have but it needs to be kendall there needs to be some awareness of the situation and Maybe this isn't necessarily time, given those those stereotypes and those issues, to be raising it because of how people will perceive it. Like, his voice is powerful. He's not just talking to a lot of young black people. He's talking to a lot of white Americans when he's on a show like that. I so guess when, so, so, I when, so when you go down that road with this guy and you know some people don't have the wherewithal or the experience to really apply what you're saying. Handle it, yeah. Then maybe you sh- maybe this isn't the time to be having this conversation. Maybe that's the time where you call up D- Dwayne, says, "Yo, fam, I think this is what you need to do." Maybe it's not so, in model like, national TV. That's my he problem. He was talking to Dwayne Haskins. He was talking. Maybe to maybe you call up homie that's in the NFL or say, "I'm gonna go to the rookie symposium next year, and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna talk to the young guys." There's well, a way look, to I mean, handle this. There's th- wait, he has he has the resources to handle this if he really really cared about it. Right. That, what, that wasn't what that wasn't what he did. What he did wasn't helpful. Your thing is, yeah. Your thing is, don't don't. You got nothing nice to say. Don't say it at all. I mean, not even it's think, not even that, Kendall. It's I think, it's, I think he's got. A, if he's in that situation, if he feels like I don't, I don't know. It's if he feels like he felt like he wanted to use this because look, this Haskins situation is definitely a, certainly a teaching moment for any any really anybody. You know, in in any in any profession, uh, but my I guess the problem is just I mean, like you said, that's a teaching moment. Just like the Manziel situation was a teaching moment. You know, they're both. They're, they're, I mean, that's the last two. Right, but there are certain you know, there are certain things you can you can teach people in a way that is most beneficial, and most effective. And just because you think what you're doing is effective doesn't make it true. Just because, well, I think that's 
that's the point. Like that's why this is this is what you're saying is right. why this is dangerous. Right. Because some that's people were saying idea. it doesn't matter that this is mad messed up for a million reasons. He's saying the truth, and this people got to hear it. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. It's not the truth, and people are taking it as the truth. So when you say, "Oh, but like he is," don't just don't say anything. At all. No, it's if you think you have something to offer, consider the landscape of what you're talking about and how to best address it. Is going on national TV on a random diatribe, not say random, it was, it was a conversation, but on a diatribe and talking about these issues with this young black quarterback and it being an issue with athletes overall and saying that this is the time and the place and the venue so, and, the, and the thing to get my point across the way that's going to be most effective and most beneficial for all parties. No one could possibly believe that. So when you tell me, oh, he, done, he couldn't have he could have done it any other way, what he did was stupid. So do you think so? Do you think that there aren't players around the league or players in, in any league, you know that that don't have that that issue that he's talking about? Of course, but it's not race related, <laughs> and well, it's not I, I, and well, it's yeah, not and it's not and it's not that. a situation That's where I'm going to point to the black quarterback and say that this is the thing you got to look out for because I'm yeah, thinking because yeah, I have the world to think about. Well, there are a lot of black quarterbacks who have trouble because people don't think that they're right for this position. Because of certain right. established so, um, so that's, racial that's, that's tropes, what we agree is that look, I mean, look, I, I mean, again, I said that was the first thing I said was I don't think this isn't a race related situation. It shouldn't be at least and he made it into. But if 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 there are guys around sports, you know, I mean, obviously there, you know, there are guys that were drafted in the NBA recently, or a guy, you know, that I would look at and say, I mean, hopefully he can get his head crewed together. And if he does, I think he's going to be a great player. But, but Kendall, like, the black you know, quarterback and, 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 is a so different... So there is an issue for him, guys. So Kendall, the black quarterback is a different to, thing. If some guys see this Haskins situation, I think that's what Booger was trying to get across. But, again, he, he took it into into places that I'm not willing to go. But, Kendall, and the point being, Kendall, is that the black quarterback... But he went there, and he deserved, to get, he deserved to get blasted for it. Kendall, the issue is the black quarterback isn't just some other player. It's not just some NBA guy because it's it's just like, it's like it's like if there's a coach and a black coach. It's like if Hugh Jackson was doing something that other coaches have been doing for years, and he gets fired, and you say, you know, what we saw with Hugh Jackson is is a larger issue with coaches and this particular way of thinking and way of if you did that, it would be a problem because there aren't a lot of black coaches out here. The ones who are out here are doing the right thing in terms of just leading their teams. And we know the issues when it comes to racism, when it comes to those positions. So that's why it's a problem. I mean, I don't know how you, you don't understand that. Like, like that's where the problem comes in. It's not just a one for one. It's like if it was a perfect world, Kendall, then, yeah, or we could just talk about anybody any other way. That's not how it is. Certain positions in sports are deemed differently. So we got there has to be some complexity with how we approach them. And you lack any complexity when you don't you're silent about Johnny Menzel, silent about all these other guys who have been building their brand. Well, White, I mean, black, or indifferent. And then you choose Johnny Menzel. No, I'm talking about no, I'm talking about Booger McFarlane. I'm yeah, talking about I mean, him. Yeah, you have to But well, that's what we're talking about. I'm talking about this situation. And I'm saying that if you don't if you if you're not coming with that same yeah, energy then yeah. with those situations Blake, Blake Baker Mayfield played football last season. If you didn't, yeah. you wouldn't come with that same energy 
which he wasn't because he would have to say there's an issue with white athletes, which he didn't do. So if you're not coming with that same energy, then be quiet when we're talking about this. That's the problem. I don't know how, like, I'm not, I know, like, it isn't, I'm not saying it's easy to understand because some people, it takes time to get these complexities. And I may sound frustrated, but it's just sometimes you get tired of having to explain these complexities over and over and over again. Yeah, and, I mean, look, it's, I mean, I can't speak for, <laughs> I am I guess I'm not trying necessarily to speak for Booger McFarlane, more so, like, look, his overall point is not, um, it's not like something that he, that you didn't have to say. It's, it, you know, I mean, he, I'm not saying he had to say it, but if he decided to go down that road and say that, you know, the Dwayne Haskins situation it can but be you a keep say, But the only the, the thing that I vehemently disagree with when you bring that up is that he's not saying what you're saying. I don't agree with what you're saying, but he's not saying that. He keeps well, saying what he's, he he keeps saying what he said is what he meant. So I, there's no need to like try to sugarcoat what he said or, well, I'm or not, if he approached it this way. That's not how he's approaching it. Well, no, I'm saying I'm saying like the overall. That's that's the that's the that's how I took it. I took it as. You know, but that's not what he said. But Kendall, took, he's he's telling you over and over again. I said what I meant. <laughs> so what is the point of trying to sugarcoat what he said? He keeps saying, "I said what I said, and I mean it." And people need to hear the whole thing and understand the context. That's what he keeps saying every time someone approaches him with it. So right. at what point? So when you keep saying, well, I, I think what he tried to do was, or if he would have did this, it would have came across better. He's telling you exactly how he wanted it to come across, and he's telling you exactly what he was trying to say. So there's right. no need to, for this, like, well, if he did this, or he meant that He didn't mean that. He didn't want to do that. He didn't approach it that way. He approached it how he wanted to. Well, look, he said I that's mean, what he wanted look, to do. So, so, there is, so there is no, there is no uh, you know, middle game or no, like, you know, gray area of what he was trying to say. He, he, he knew what he was trying to say because he keeps I, defending himself. Um, you know, look, he's he wants to die on the sword, and it is what it is. I think let I him die on the hill, then Kendall. Let him be. I think there's a way in which he could have worded it that would have been, it would have made more sense, and would have there would it would have it would have been more helpful. How know? would I, how would raising these issues overall? Are there parts of his message that? that are positive or, you know, can be deemed as, you know, helpful. I, I think so. Because, yeah, again, this Dwayne Haskins situation. Kendall, not- 100% of the NFL players care about their brand. Nothing he said was beneficial. No, I think the part about illuminating the fact that this Dwayne Haskins situation, uh, again, is something that we want to avoid. And You don't think players don't want to avoid what happened to Dwayne Haskins? And I think you. I think you think what he said was deep, and it wasn't deep. Like, like I don't no, think I, you, like it wasn't like he didn't say anything helpful. I don't don't become Dwayne Haskins. You don't think every NFL player doesn't want to become Dwayne Haskins? <laughs> well, yeah, and that that's the part of it where I'm like, I think he had to word it better. That's why no, it's not wording it better. He needs to shut up. <laughs> like he I, I, didn't I, have I, a I, point I, to be so made. He should have said, said Dwayne Haskins, a young kid who didn't get it. Who didn't understand what it took to be an NFL player, and that's the issue. And then you move on. It, and kids out there, whatever. I don't know. I don't. I don't think that like we see 
guys bust all the time and we don't have this energy. Like, I don't know if you're understanding that point. Like, this happens all the time in the NFL. Guys don't work out at all different kinds of positions, black, white, or whatever. And it's not this energy. So this notion that I'm going to go on a diatribe and tell a, less, tell a story today because it's a black quarterback, that's the problem. Because it, it, you're not having that same energy with anybody. Everybody knows don't be Dwayne Haskins. You think kids try to not focus on the game or try? They think they're doing enough to be good, even if they're not. But the problem is when you start your argument only when it's a black quarterback that struggles, and then you 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 say it's an issue with black athletes, you have no point. There's no point to be made for what he was trying to say. <laughs> Zero. Yeah, look, I mean, everybody's trying to build their brand from the from the greatest athletes we have today, Kendall. All of them are trying to build their brand to the worst athletes we have in playing professional sports, and it's still a hundred times better than every yeah. other of us Joes. They're trying to build their brand. So what are you trying to say? Should LeBron yeah. stop trying to build schools and stop doing all the social media and stop doing all this stuff, even though he's the king? It doesn't make any yeah. sense. It doesn't make any sense. What he's saying is dumb. That's it. That's the tweet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, you you have your uh, you have your view of the situation. I mean, I think he's overall. I agree that I think he's 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 wrong on a lot of then these what, points. Then what are we talking think, about? <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying. I think you know. I think part of I think part of what he was trying to say, or at least what I would have, you know, the way I would have framed what he should have said in that situation, would uh, would have made more sense. Don't be Dwayne um, Haskins. I mean, that's what you're saying. It's it's just it's so simplistic. Where it's just like, why would that need to be said? Well, look, if it, I guess if my thing is, it needed to be said if your goal, if your goal was to educate guys who may have been watching and saying, look, there are a lot of athletes out here that sometimes, you know, aren't treating treating this like a business. I'm not saying I agree with that, but if his goal was to get across to those guys that we got it. You got to, your maturity level needs to be high green coming to the league. Then. So you see no issue. You see no issue with him raising this issue with the black quarterback, despite everything we just talked about. Well, I think, I think what Dwayne Haskins, I think Dwayne Haskins issues are, are obvious. And I'm not talking about Dwayne Haskins. I'm talking about as an analyst. I'm talking about do you? I mean, your job is as an analyst to to give the to give your analysis of the situation. Um, I mean, you can't. You you got You got You got to be honest about what. But if I'm Haskins telling, is. but if I'm telling you that that same energy is not being brought about for other white athletes, you don't find that problematic. I think that that's yeah. I think that that's a stereotype that needs to be uh, that that. That shouldn't be around the league. So you, don't, so do, you, do you, you understand know, that you point? Why that's why that's not you, you made know the best route to go. Yeah. I mean, we talked about these guys. You want to know a guy in the league right now? I think Drew Locke is a quarterback that I have questions about his maturity. Do, his yeah, do, you, do you think that you'll hear a Book Me Farland rant about yeah, Drew Locke well, tomorrow? I don't know if people are going to say that, but I'm just saying that I'm I'm saying I don't know about Book Me Farland. I'm saying I'm saying that Drew Locke has those issues, and you know that's that's where. Again, the stereotypes need to be need to be gone. So knowing that, knowing that obvious messed up playing field, don't you think that maybe these instances require 
more. But maybe someone like Drew Locke needs to hear that. You know what I mean? Maybe Drew Locke needs to see what happened to Dwayne Haskins, see the fact that he's regressed in his second year, similar to how Dwayne Haskins regressed. But there's an issue when. Maybe see that and says. Right, but there's an issue when you're talking about most of the time the black quarterback, or at least in this instance, the black quarterback becomes a sacrificial lamb for someone else. You don't see an issue with that? There's a clear issue with that. It's like, well, maybe some other guy will, will get it. Well, why won't you have that same energy for Drew Locke? Look, I look. I would hope uh, we I, we weren't really doing this. Sh- we really weren't really doing this show. If we were, then I, I mean I don't remember our, our our conversations. But I don't think we were doing the show when Johnny Manziel had his wipeout. Maybe we, if we were, that was a long time ago. So, <laughs> but regardless, like I mean that was that was embarrassing, you know and. You know, now he he's got picked up in the fan control football league. And I don't know yeah. what to make of Johnny Manziel at this point, but um, but you know he's a uh, but that that's that's another cautionary tale. I was like, uh, I, I I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend that it's not. And Baker Mayfield, but even even with Johnny, but even with we and you're right, but even with Johnny Manziel, think I don't about think anybody the, think, like, about yeah, the, think about the, the lengths. Lengthy. No, but think about the lengths Johnny had to go before where. Like we're naming Johnny and and Dwayne Haskins in the same. Yeah, I know. It's even that's kind of messed and up. Think of, and think about what Dwayne Haskins is, is done and been accused of doing. And think about Johnny Menzel, who as, admittedly is has had, had had a substance abuse problem during that time, and has thank God for him worked and gotten rehab, and he seems to be in a much better place. And I'm really happy for him because I didn't want to see him flame out. Um, I was rooting for Johnny Menzel, but think about that. And what he went through, he'll admittedly go through, talking about how he didn't study the playbook, didn't do any other other work. He talks about that all the time. And think of, and then we're talking about Dwayne Haskins. I'm not saying Dwayne Haskins is, you know, oh, he was, you know, this workout warrior. But, like, like that's all it took for Dwayne Haskins to become Johnny Manziel. Think about that. You don't see a problem with that? There's a clear issue with that. And that's where I think um, that's where I feel like we should leave that, only because we spent way more time on it than we anticipated. Yeah. Um, look, what are your picks for the college football playoffs? Notre Dame, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. Who's ta- who's taking home <laughs> the championship this year? Well, Clemson, by the way, out without their OC who has COVID, so he's not yeah, calling the game. He's not calling the game on Thursday or yeah. Friday, whenever the game is played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony Elliott's going to be a he might be an NFL uh, head coaching candidate. So yeah, um, that's not going to be a uh, it's not going to be a guy that you want to you want to be without. Uh, Clemson of all teams is, is most experienced uh, without with with losing personnel both this season and in years past coming into these playoffs. They've always had some sort of hiccup with suspension. So uh, this is not something that's completely unusual. So I'm completely foreign, but. Um, I mean, obviously that 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 Sugar Bowl with LSU, I mean not LSU, with uh, Clemson and Ohio State is the is the premier matchup. Alabama that game will be over at halftime. Um, I also think De- Devontae Smith is going to win the Heisman Trophy. So by that time, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith will probably have. Two or three touchdowns uh, by halftime. Um, but regardless, uh, yeah, that game will be over. But in that Ohio State, 
uh, Clemson game, I think you're looking at two teams that I think are more evenly matched than people are giving them credit for. Uh, I know Ohio State struggled in that uh, in that game against Northwestern, the Big Ten Championship game, but overall, I think they have a better. Um, they're they're a more talented team than than I think they showed in that game. Um, I know the Indiana game, people look at that as a negative, and second half they didn't play well in that game. But overall, I still Indiana is a tougher team. I think people understand, and I think that uh, the dominance that they showed in that first half is what this Ohio State team is the upside the upside this Ohio State team has. Um, I, I look, I think Ohio State's going to win this game. That's my that's my bold prediction. I know. I guess that's a bold prediction. They're the number three team in the country, but um, I don't know what the spread is or the line is on that game, but I, you know, I think people are... The key is Ryan Day is going to have to open up the playbook a little bit. Um, they they utilize Justin Fields too much as a, as a passer. And that's not to say Justin Fields isn't a, isn't a great passer. Um, but, you know... Like if you looked at the playbook, or if you looked at if you, if you looked at the film, and you look at the way they've utilized Justin Fields, it's very similar to how they utilized Dwayne Haskins. Speak of the devil, and you know he's he's been obviously a uh, you know he's been terrific in that system, um, but he's a guy that Fields that has a much more dynamic skill set as a runner than Dwayne Haskins, obviously. And overall, I think they've gotten a little too—they got a little too enamored with the with the passing attack, and it makes them easy to game plan. Um, and Fields right now is still developing as a as a as a guy in terms of going through his progressions, and sometimes he gets a little too locked in on the first read, um, and not necessarily, you know, obviously, typically you think of a guy. And you say, oh, he gets locked in the first read, and he's a tuck and run. He's not really a tuck and run guy. Honestly, he'll hold on to the football way too long. Yeah. But uh, he'll he'll just lock on in the first. He'll lock in on the first read, and he'll he he'll either force just, it. Yeah, he'll just force it. Take the sack. Yeah. You know, and you know that's neither is good. I mean, it's either it means either you be a a big play from Fields, a sack, or a turnover. You know, that's typically uh, the Justin Fields experience, and. I want to see them unlock him as a runner more. And I think if they do, then I think they should win this football game. Um, they should have won that game last year, obviously. But, no, I think this Clemson team is beatable. Uh, and this Ohio State team is the, by far the best team they, they're going to have played all year. Not saying something they played Notre Dame twice, but I think this Ohio State team is another tier. So I think they're going to win this game. Yeah, so um, I, I, think, I, I think I agree with your sentiments in regards to Notre Dame. Alabama, Notre Dame's had a great season. Obviously, a very disappointing ACC championship. I don't think that you know that that game was necessarily indicative of who they are as a team. Um, I don't know if necessarily their win was also you know, win over Clemson was who indicative they are as a team. I think they're somewhere in the middle, which is you know a really good football team, probably the best fourth, fourth team, best team in the country. I don't think that's good enough to compete with Alabama for four quarters. You know, do they just you know? book hang keep them in the game for a half i could maybe see that um but man the the Notre Dame defense put on some really bad tape in that last game they played and the idea that saving and nick and uh, sarkeesian and mac jones and Devontae, but they got to look at that film for a month 
or not a month, but you know, three or four weeks, and and come up with a scheme for them. I mean, I think they're going to be just fine offensively. Alabama's defense has been kind of hit or miss all year, so Notre Dame may score, but they're not going to be able to keep up with Alabama. So I think that's a two, three score kind of game. I think Alabama, I think Ohio State Clemson, I agree, is a little bit tougher to decipher. Um, I'm going to ride with Clemson, though. I think that Clemson, uh, when their defense is uh, when their defense is locked in, and they, they've had some moments where they've looked a little more suspect than you'd like, you know, uh, half against BC, the whole game against Notre Dame. Um, it's not like there was a, a lot of them, but there were there have been some moments where you kind of looked at them and said, you know, are they really there? But it, to me, it seems like their defense – uh, to me, really turned the corner after that Notre Dame loss. I think that they played pretty much lights out ball in the game against Pitt and Virginia Tech, and then Notre Dame again, getting them in the rematch. Uh, Fields, uh, you know, we talked about it off air. You know, he kind of scares me in regards to that. I feel like he seems to, he seems sometimes prone to the big mistake. And this is the kind of defense where you have to play excellent football for 60 minutes and when trevor lawrence is out there you don't get a break in terms of uh you know you having maybe three or four bad uh series or you throw a pick and then maybe you got a couple of two or three bad series after that like you can't afford that because they're going to get their chances between etienne between rogers um i i just think that those mistakes are going to come back to bite them and i think clemson beats them I think more handily than last year. I'm not saying this is like a crazy blowout, but I don't think there is much doubt. Um, Ohio State, you know, there's also something to be said about like not dealing. And, and look, the, not having your offense coordinator is a big deal with Clemson. That, I'm not necessarily thrilled about that for, for your room for Clemson. But I will say that there is something to having the war of attrition and going being battle-tested the way Clemson is having played all these games. I don't think walking into a playoff game, having only played six games, is a little bit different. And I don't think that they looked quite ready for the stage of a championship game after just playing for five games. And they played against Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship. The first half, they totally didn't look like they were ready for that kind of stage. Um, does three weeks of not playing football make you more ready for it? Now you're playing against Clemson? No way. So um, I think Clemson wins fairly handily, but you know, not, not like a complete blow, but they win convincingly, I'll say. Maybe. And uh, Alabama wins. So you have, guess who? Alabama and Clemson, once again, in the national championship in a couple of weeks. And we'll, uh, I guess, give you guys our thoughts on the champion once we get to that point. But I think that's a good place to wrap this episode up, guys. I know we went really, really long. Did not expect to go this long, but um, Burger McFarland happened. So <laughs> they, they, therefore, therefore, this we happened. Let me ask you if the Burger McFarland got it there. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so shout outs to those gentlemen, I guess. But um, thank you guys if you stuck around for us. Thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of New Generation Sports Talk. It's our last sports talk of the year, so I guess it's fitting that it's one of the longer ones once again. But, um, man, I really want to thank you guys all year for rocking with us. We had a really crazy year. Um, Things haven't always necessarily been the easiest, but I think that we've produced some of the best conversations that we've had on this podcast this year. A lot of it was very uh, thoughtful stuff. A lot of it, just like today, you know, kind of moves off the kind of beaten path of necessarily just sports and goes into other more even serious topics, whether it be social justice, whether it be race, whether it be health. Um, 
with considering the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, there's a lot of things we kind of had to touch all year for sports. And I thought that, I hope that the conversation you heard on this podcast, not just today, but throughout the whole year, were, were, um, were thoughtful and engaging and thought-provoking. So appreciate you guys sticking us with us all year. And as Kendall said, shout out to all the people who came on the sports podcast this year. Next year, I already you know, mentioned Chris Williamson. Hopefully, someone we'll have on soon. But you know, we're 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 thinking about some people we want to have on for next year, and um, hoping to make this show just bigger and better. So appreciate you all. You can catch all of these podcasts on New Generation Podcast Network. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, catch us on YouTube, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. Kendall's at Twitter, New Generation, New Gen Ken. I am on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, Instagram, Action EJ, our uh, Twitter handle as a, as a channel, um, at New Generation Pod on Twitter, on Instagram, New Generation Podcast, and we're also on Facebook. You can find us at New Generation Media. That's going to do it for now. We'll be back uh, in the new year with another edition of Sports Talk. So um, happy new year, you guys. Stay safe and happy holidays. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.